It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from inside a snow globe in a location we have yet to be here in 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Felisco. And with us today are uh, our, our Clay Keller and... Uh, the f- <laughs> I blew my joke. We've managed to do something that even yeah. screen drafts can't do. Yep, We've got Ryan Barker on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I like this. I like this. <laughs> Have you guys nice, both been nice guests to hear before you. on Not someone together. else's podcast together? Oh. Uh, We've done it a couple times. Yeah. Okay. okay. You're yeah, in there, but not now often. I'm- mm-hmm. Now I'm blanking, but we've definitely been on a show together before. <laughs> Have we not done your show together before? Is this the first no, time we've no, done this? No, no, no. That's no, this, the, this is, is a true treat. This is a true treat. Yeah. This is a yeah. dream for us. Dream come true. This movie's a uh, treat. It is a treat. Movie, guys, I have a so, question, you guys. For this episode, are you going to change your podcast art to be like the Apple like podcast logo, no. and then it says like <laughs> it's 1999 under? Yeah, it? we're ju- we're, yeah. we're just go- we're just gonna put a an MP3 a picture of an MP3 rolling, <laughs> just, and then like I've never seen right. that in a film before. That is like one of yeah. one of eight million audacious things in this movie is this the title. The title insane. screen is a close up of an eye, and then it says of All the right. beholder. <laughs> You're getting way ahead of yourself. 
The reason Incredible uh, stuff. Clay yeah. and Ryan are on this draft, feel free to listen to their uh, brilliant episode on serial killer movies um, right. where they mm. both state this movie's amazing or something. And Phil and I were like, well, I think you guys both said you both watched it, right? In anticipation yeah. of that draft. A film incredible for a film that doesn't exist that Ryan and I had both watched it recently. I'm also not and, convinced she's a serial killer. Well... They both wanted to do this. They, they both mentioned that this film was crazy. Yeah. I believe they then said, have the 99 guys done it. Right. And uh, immediately I texted Phil. And I'm like, like a bat signal. I think we can get them both. <laughs> uh, so uh, here they are. These, yeah. uh, these, yeah. these two suckers on to talk about this <laughs> shitty ass movie. Stop it. This is a, this Here's is a the great thing, movie. Though. I, I, I want to just, because Kenny, we've done a lot of bad movies on this right. podcast, right? And we've done a lot of like yeah. misguided movies. Yeah, this is a whole other animal as far as I'm concerned, because I watched this movie kind of in disbelief from credits to credits as to how not even inept it is because it is inept. Like tonally, this director has no handle on the material really whatsoever. (laughs) But like, I don't know what movie the actors are in. I don't know why things ultimately why things are happening. I don't mm-hmm. the, the entire the entire concept of this film about a man who watches a woman <laughs> just watches her for an hour 15 of an hour and 40 minute movie is surprised mm-hmm. by her actions does essentially nothing to thwart her she is oblivious the to opposite. him following her it's the opposite he protects her so she can kill more <laughs> this is the kind this, this That's is partly this, right this is like this is to me. This is on some Donald Kaufman the three shit, where this is just one of those ideas where it's Trick like, photography. What if, what if it was a serial killer movie, but the real serial killer was the guy watching the serial killer, right. and then like someone that, just bought that's a in. twist I would have liked. Right. If that twist had happened. I, this movie would go up like fucking 20, 30 that's, points. As far I'm as not I'm kidding you. That's what this movie is, unless Ryan has a different take. The movie is this guy is so <laughs> enthralled with her that yes. he wants to protect her, but loves watching her kill people. Is that your take, Ryan? It's not. It's not. But I appreciate <laughs> But I appreciate that take. I do like that take. I mean, Ryan's it's like, this is a piercing psychodrama about a man with no, who's lost his daughter. Uh, He's no, trying, he's, and he's he's tr- trying to, to to find her in in every woman that he oh, meets. Come on, this movie is very simply told. Don't leave I, her; she's just a little girl. And what <laughs> the fuck is that? She, I don't know, Phil. I don't know. <laughs> the only thing we know about this lead character is that he hasn't seen his daughter in a while. That is literally the only thing we ever learn about him. That and he, and who do we learn it from? Katie Lang. Katie he Lang. Has, he, he that he apparently a, he, has no he has problem. Yeah. Living in a bell tower for seven months? I, how long is he up there? They renovate that entire space. I have, I have a bigger question. How yeah. long? What is the, the the entire duration of this film? I have no idea what the passage of time he, is. He he calls out of work for like two and a half years to follow this woman around the around the world and watch huh. her kill people. All right, Ryan, I'd love to hear. Yeah, no, um, we, we, tell us what this <laughs> like. Like no joke, this movie is very funny to make fun of. But I also would like love to know yes, what as do I, I mean. you think is going on. 
I mean, look, it's not surprising where we're all coming from with this movie. I mean, not saying this is a good movie, but this is a movie. I, I did watch it recently for that serial killers draft. Watched it recently for this episode, and I watched this in 1999. This was definitely a late night viewing for me, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not going to say it's a fucking great movie. And I'm, but I will say that there is a weird audaciousness that I appreciate to this. That I think like. They don't really make anymore. I feel, I mean, number one, this is, I, I believe, a Canadian produced movie. And I think, I believe that, it is as well. It and is. I, and as a lover of Canadian cinema, I definitely think that this has certain hallmarks of 90s Canadian movies, uh, which okay. are sort of like. Yeah. Ryan's going to start talking about Adam McGoyan. <laughs> it has an Adam McGoyan vibe, I'm just <laughs> no. going to say, which How is sort of. How dare you? Adam McGoyan no. is like even Adam McGoyan's bad movies don't touch this shit. Well, you know, again, yeah, you have an actual debatable. Canadian on this podcast, okay? I'm not <laughs> going to sit here and let you and let you defame Canada while my Canadian will, however, friends. Meanwhile, I'm trying to praise Canadian cinema. That's what I'm trying. I, to I, know, I know, I know. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, obviously, we. This movie didn't come out in America until 2000. It was only released January in, uh, of 2000. South so Korea you saw it in 99. 2000. I saw it in yeah. 2000. So you saw it in yeah. South Korea in 99, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. can, but, I, can I just, <laughs> I, I do want to, to piggyback on, on what you're about to say, uh, Ryan, because I do think it's, I, I think the Washington Post, okay, has, I think, a, a truly great review where they say this mangled project is neither great nor grand entertainment, but because it floors the pedal for both, it has a certain resplendent awfulness. And I think that that's, that's the best thing you can say about this film. I mean, I guess so. Like, I, I don't know. I live now in a, in a bit of an echo chamber where like all movies these days are either like, you know, yeah. these, these, big swings that hit or they miss completely. And this is just that kind of movie that came out at the time where Mm -hmm. you didn't really have to invest a lot of mental energy. In fact, I think it discourages that. I think this is a late night, weird, like kind of nineties noir, like of the sort of, you know, sort of, I mean, there was a lot of like silk stockings type of vibe to this movie to me where it's like, yeah, they're, these are not like well-drawn characters, but I definitely think that they have a, I mean, part of it is the casting. I mean, look, Ashley Judd in the nineties. I, yeah, I'm in no matter what jeopardy, good movie, bad movie. This to me, this movie is way better than a lot of the movies she made at the time, which, you know, like she made a lot of bad movies in my opinion. And I think that this movie kind of fits into a specific era where I think she was trying to do different things. She was trying to sort of branch out into more interesting characters. This is not a good character by any means, but my God, like watching her fucking like kill people throughout the course of this, like in sexy lingerie while like screaming, like Merry Christmas. I think we're getting to the heart of this right now. I think we're finally getting to the heart. Sorry, I'm in. I'm, I'm so, I I have no problem with that. That was, that was a nice moment for me too. And she, (laughs) and and she, and she's, she, and she really knows how to drive the knife. And I'm not just saying that. That that was the, when she killed that first guy, the guy who ostensibly is, is, uh, Ewan McGregor's target. Well, no, the guy, isn't he just supposed to? Okay, okay, okay. Are we going to attempt to do the plot of this movie, or is that oh, we're going a fool's to. errand? Oh, okay. No, we will attempt it. We will okay. attempt it. But it's very I have, early I have in the podcast. Every step that, of the guys, way. stop running. Okay. All right, slow down. All right. <laughs> all right. First of all, I just want to take issue with everything Ryan said. Um, <laughs> the, the only no, the only real thing is like 
if you like this, yeah, I got like fifteen from ninety nine that are yes. better than this yes. at yes. doing the thing you seem to like. Like, including when we watched like last week, like Best Laid Plans is the movie you're describing. Yes, I love um, Best Laid Plans. All right, it's so much better. Than this. <laughs> I mean, but it's like this, like Best Laid Plans is is uh, like I'm gonna. This is a weird term I'm gonna use. Competent incompetence. Correct. In that, like. It does make a lot of mistakes. Yes. But all the mistakes are made in a way where you aren't ever like lost or or like held at arm's length or left in a bell tower for hours and hours. Like it's a very active movie and it's so fun and twisty. Yeah. This movie is is like a true mess, like a true like 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 splatter painting. Uh and I don't even know where to start with it. But that's that's well can I, just, I mean I, is it let's put I, it this way. Did you were you bored throughout the course no, of this the movie? The entire no, movie. No. The entire movie. You, you were, were totally bored. Bored out of my mind. Okay, well, well, you, I I first, that. the first two the first two kills were okay. And uh when yes I was so bored and so and so uh an, like what particularly annoyed me was uh-huh. the way that they used the at the you know the apparition or the specter of his oh, daughter, daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah because it it didn't illuminate anything it was yeah. so exhausting and sweaty and it meant nothing to this plot so yeah. i i felt like we i mean that girl was in 30% of the movie yeah and right. you, it was you just, could tell what, at what, do we what do point yes. the filmmakers uh realized that she had no narrative reason to be there and that they were just slowing their production down by working around a child's hours the entire time <laughs> they're like oh yeah. we're just get rid of her she doesn't need to be in the rest of the movie because there's no explanation yeah. for why she None. suddenly there's no narrative turn there's no realization there's nothing that happens that would like cure him of her being there she just disappears at some point i was God, you, I love you that, can't I love come you love Bart. I love that you love best laid plans, though. That was a that was a great moment for me. <laughs> Can I? I do want to say something though, because I do think that I understand where you're coming from, Kenny. But I was so, quite frankly, flummoxed by this movie that I was not bored. Like at no point was my attention not on the screen because I was just desperately trying to figure out how this even transpired, as opposed to like. As it, it's sort of what I said earlier, we've done bad movies, but sometimes they tip into a place where I tap out. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not in it anymore because all the time, it's so all the time, right? Like I mean, Love Stinks, whatever, right? Like they're just wait, wait, wait just like, till you I, watch Simpatico. Okay, I can't wait. Um, but but <laughs> great <laughs> preview for our upcoming Simpatico episode. Right. But I'll just say that that this movie, because it is so completely unmoored. It is kind of a fascinating watch. Like, Ewan McGregor in this film, this to me was like, I was watching this thinking about how he kind of was on a razor's edge a little bit. His career almost got away from is kind of what I'm getting at, right? Like, Star Wars obviously was an enormous get, right? And Star Wars just, that that's going to put you on the map forever, essentially, right? But prior to maybe. that... Maybe, right? <laughs> sure, maybe not. Sure. But like, I'm, I was just looking at his career, looking at his, at his filmography um, earlier today as I was watching this film, just thinking like, how did he, how did we get here? And like, obviously he, he comes in through, uh, through Danny Boyle, Shallow Grave, Transpot, Transpotting, right? Like those make him a star. But then like, it's Velvet Goldmine. It's a life less ordinary. It's like kind of getting away from him. 
And this movie as well, which comes out obviously after, or sorry, before Star Wars. So this movie comes out in January. My apologies. It comes out this after, is after Star Wars. Yeah. Right. So January of 2000. So they're trying to ride his Star Wars, I guess, fame at that point. Right. But like, if it's not for Moulin Rouge, which I would argue is kind of the moment when I'm like, this guy can kind of do anything. I'm not sure that he had, like th- this movie just to me shows in the wrong hands. This guy is bad. I, I too looked at his filmography yeah. uh, when I watched this, thinking the same thing. And yeah. he it's not so much that he's bad. I mean, mm. this movie's a, a mess, and we'll talk about sure. it for the next hour and a half and how yeah. awful it is. He yeah. does this all the time. He makes bad decisions all the time throughout his career. His He basically yeah. is two or three bad decisions for every one very good decision. <laughs> uh, and, and I, and I kind of love him for it. I, I find him, too. you know, a really kind of charming personality because of that. But this doesn't seem like a weird, like, misstep. This is just what he does every once in a while. Yeah. He's, it's, he's bland, but it's a, I mean, this is a bland part. I, I was, like, trying it's to think of if I could think role. of anyone, any of his yeah. contemporaries who would have made this interesting. And even his most interesting contemporaries, I don't think, would have been able to do anything else with this particular character. He's either just watching Ashley Judd, or he's uh, making excuses to Katie Lang, or he's uh, saying the same people. kind of 12 lines over and over to his ghost daughter. Like, there's there's no depth to this but character I, at all. I completely agree with you. And I feel like the real... We're talking about, like, the DNA of this movie and why this thing doesn't work, as far as I'm concerned, is that your protagonist is inactive. Your protagonist yeah. is is doing so little. And I don't even mean just physically. I mean just in general. It feels like he is riding the coattails of another character. He is. and. Right, and which is not which is not interesting to watch is my point. Right, watching someone watch someone is not an interesting thing. Ultimately, oh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, Vertigo would would uh, Rear Window. Sure, like, there, window are, there are examples there are, of yeah, it well, that nail it, but oh, like right, more but, times than not. But not. those characters in the ones where it works, we have scenes with them doing other things, scenes with other people, right. scenes that give right. context right. to why they're watching somebody, mm-hmm. things to that, you know, so when they're watching somebody, we have something that we're thinking about as well. We're not just also passive observers of the more interesting character, who's Ashley Judd, who is is kept at arm's length distance the entire movie. Like, right. there's that whole detour. He goes to talk to uh, Jean-Vierre Bujold. Oh, it's the best. And it's a 20-minute thing. And the conclusion is she was abused. And then he's like, hmm, okay. And it's like, we, and know, also wears we, knew, we knew that. A savvy viewer could pick up from what we've seen thus far that <laughs> that's probably what was going on. <laughs> uh, the thing is, there is a, there is a, if this movie, for instance, was directed by Brian De Palma, right? This movie could have been fucking great. It would have been 10 times more How? violent. It would have been way more violent. It would have been way more sexy. Everything would have just been dialed the fuck up. And the whole thing would have just been like almost camp. But uh, no, I disagree with that strongly. But uh, I think Femme Fatale is a great movie that's kind of similar to this fucking movie, quite frankly. Totally. I I mean, I do think Femme Fatale is a great movie. I don't think it's that similar to this movie. I do think there's a world where I guess De Palma takes something like this and really makes it camp. But like this movie, fucking, or at least stick. visually more interesting. Like that's, the I, thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. But there, I mean, I there, there's not a lot here. You know, like the really, there's almost nothing here except for a really yeah. screwed up understanding of why we empathize with characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really 
puts us in, puts the viewer in a very strange place all film. I mean, Phil, I don't, you know, the greatest period of our lives, me and you, Phil, was when, <laughs> when we, we record were, this podcast. Just in when, general, we, just... when we recorded this podcast, no, really, truly, you'll agree with me. Was when we were when we were assistants in Hollywood, and they were still giving out pilots yes, on DVDs. Yes. Am I right? That was yes, the best, the greatest time. Yeah, we used to get all the DVDs of pilots that got picked up, and the ones that didn't. Yes. So we have seen more failed pilots than anybody who has not worked at a network, I think, in the world, because right. we used to just steal them. Yes. Um, this reminds me of so many failed pilots I used to yes. watch. Yes, in that in that. But the difference That's is, true. like, in a pilot, you assume you're going to have 100 more episodes to develop your characters. <laughs> but they always have these, like, you have to get out what he does in, in, in 10 minutes. All right, he works for British intelligence, but he has a new thing today. And you can't see the, yeah. you, you can't see the motivation of the, of the uh, antagonist right away because you'll find out eventually. Like, her, you know, I mean, this new fucking show with, uh, with Miranda Bassarin or, or Bacharin is that idea. Oh, it's like, game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the end game. She's a villain. We don't know why. We'll tell you in a hundred episodes. Right. It's, it's like that James Spader show. Yeah, the right? blacklist. Yeah. They blacklist. Over, blacklist. And yeah. over and yeah. over and yeah. over and over. I mean, House, why is he such an asshole? You'll find out eventually. Why does he limp? We don't know. We'll find out eventually. But in this movie, they tell you the last fucking in the, in the beginning of Act Three. Yeah. And it's just everything is rushed because there's no character development done on the front side. And that's but also the a, answer is is deeply uninteresting. Of course it is, dude. Of course it is because they had to give it to you in one second. Because they did yeah. no work on the front. It connects to nothing. But I also just feel like there is potential. Here's the thing. Joanna's character, the Ashley Judd character, there's potential there. I think it's wasted. But there's potential. Always in- potential in a hot serial killer. Sure. I don't even mean it in that regard. But I just mean in the sense of someone that is, you know, Someone that's dealing with trauma, someone that's dealing with it in, a, in an unorthodox way, obviously. But like, part of the problem is that whenever you do get scenes with Joanna, she, she's unhinged in kind of bizarre ways, in ways that you're just sort of unclear as to like how this. Am I supposed to feel sorry for this person? Am I not? Like, am I supposed to be afraid of this person? Am I? It's all wishy washy. It's both our protagonists in this film are so muddy and so mushy that you're just like, I don't really understand what I'm supposed to be invested in. Like when they finally meet and have a drink together at the end. And I was just like, finally, these two people are interacting. And it's just, it's it's basically platitudes. It's just like vague kind of conversation between two people that I, at that point, I was like, this should be like the fucking scene from Heat. This should be like (laughs) the two fucking people that have been circling each other. It's just, and it's McGregor, it's Judd, finally meeting. <laughs> exactly. We've been waiting for 20 years. <laughs> I just, I, I think that, I don't know. Listen, I'm not really riding for this I, I movie, will say Kenny, this. but I'm just, oh, I, I know you're this. not. Yeah. Because uh, poor, poor Ryan over there decided <laughs> to take up the pro I the beholder I, stance from the beginning. I will say I liked it more the second time. I liked it more when I watched it two days ago. Than when I watched it six months ago, uh, just by virtue of having uh, correct expectations this time around. I knew that this movie was insane. I knew it made no sense. I knew it was, uh, as everything Phil was just saying, it is so like muddy. And I, so I, I, if you just kind of watch it, 
as a uh, odd, um, nearly like montage esque, M- like MTV meets art house late nineties aesthetic thing. Sure. Sure. Sounds so good, Clay. Uh, <laughs> you, you nailed this. It is so perfectly more entertaining. Now, I, I, I am not going to get anywhere approach saying that this movie is good, but I was shocked to find on the second time I watched it yeah. that I was shocked to watch it a second time, first of all. Yeah. And I was shocked <laughs> that the second time I watched it, I wasn't bored like Kenny was. I was just kind of like, this is when you get to just sit back and accept it for what it is. You, the, you get to have the fun thing of noticing even more things that don't make sense in well, it. Well, can I ask a question? Which is, I ge- it just turns into a game of accumulating <laughs> nonsense. This is a genuine question. Yeah. What is Ewan McGregor's job? No clue. No clue. He's yeah. some kind of government-sponsored <laughs> don't, surveillance. Don't pretend like that's okay. You can't be like, yeah. No, but... but <laughs> I mean, the, he's they, British well, intelligence. He might be a PI. Is he? The he's end. the worst fucking spy I've ever seen in my life. Totally. You're I'm, absolutely right about all yeah. these things. The opening scene, he is spying on some uh, guy having sex with his secretary or something. Yeah. In the building across the street from the building he works in? Correct. What? With a giant gun-like microphone thing? <laughs> with a giant Which gun awesome. With a giant gun camera. I I, I, and, I, see, I see what's happening here, guys. He, Do you? Yeah, I see what's happening here. I think Clay. I think Clay just nailed it. Uh, <laughs> if your expectations are rock bottom, yes. then then you can you know the little the little like ridges in the rock look mm-hmm. like things that might be exciting. But for us who watched this movie the first time last night, <laughs> I was sitting there mouth agape. And I, mean, I, I, took, I took notes and I don't really take notes anymore because I've been doing this too long and I'm exhausted. But I took notes and my notes you know were... who does my, take notes? I know you do, Me. buddy. You, you, you're, 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 the, you're the beating heart of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I, I wrote things like, uh, movies are hard. Because like... <laughs> Movies are. Hard. I thought that too, I, though. I, thought I, that I, too. I really thought that. I'm like, yeah, like yeah. this isn't like yeah. that far off. I know, but like it's hard to get everything right. Yeah. And I think movies who do get it right deserve credit. There are movies that get them wrong. Yeah. And other things like I'm like some movies seem effortless, and yeah. this seems like the exact opposite, where it feels like they fucking worked so fucking hard to yep. get the ball across midfield. Yep. You know those teams that spend the whole fucking game getting sacked in their own half and then yes. finally get the ball in the field goal range? Right. That's what this field felt like to me. Like, they right. worked so hard to put together something that was compelling. And, like... The, the I, end of this movie, Kenny, feels a lot like a a, like... Uh, 60-year-old 60-yard field goal that like bonks off of the, uh, the, the uprights. Yeah. It feels like this movie This movie is a They're like, doink. we're going to send him to Alaska. And, we're going to put him together. And I, and I guess the reason like, and, and again, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to like rescind all of my criticism from the beginning mm-hmm. because the fact that you guys are watching for the second time with, with a different set of or third in Ryan's case, for a different with a different set of expectations, I do think would color my view differently. But watching it the first time, my feeling was like it was a weird, a weird. Uh, I had a weird amount of contempt for this movie. Sure. Oh, for sure. Because my feeling was like, oh, you think you're good? You think you're making a masterpiece here? 
Like, I don't think this was, I don't think there was any fun. I, I was like, they, there were, there were too many like big swings and big ideas and, uh, you know, things that are, are, are formally out of the norm. Mm-hmm. That you don't make those decisions unless you think you're breaking cinema in some way. And I felt like you think I'm an idiot that you think like him talking to his like dead ghost daughter is revolutionary. Alive daughter. Just he hasn't seen her in a bit. But I have to say this. Do you see what I'm I, saying? Yes. No, hundred like, percent. I Two things come to mind as you were talking. The first about the movies are hard thing. I found myself watching this thinking about all of us have been on sets. I'm assuming at one point or another. And and. That moment when you're either sitting at Video Village and a director is able to like do an assembly essentially in their head where they're sort of like they know how it's all going to kind of piece together. And I'm not a person that can do that yet, maybe someday, but I find that really impressive. And yet at the same time watching this, I'm like, oh, you this just none of this fits together. Like none of this. You saw a movie in your head that there was no way in that actually coming to fruition. it's like a less than beautiful mind. <laughs> you know the what I mean? The least beautiful it's, mind. No, yeah. it's just one of those things yeah. where like, I, I see that he was just like, oh, we'll do like this, 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 and yeah. it's going to be perfect. And I think this is this director who's made one good film in his life. It's a knows- very good movie though. I think Avengers for Sony Quinn. Yeah, he's made a good movie. Yeah. So he's done it before. He's capable. Exactly. And I think that he got a certain amount of, of hands-off treatment by uh, producers, but... This one doesn't come together for me. All right, I'm going to shut up. For I want. A while. I want to just give context because yeah. I'm sure that that not many of our listeners have actually seen this film. And by the way, don't watch this movie. Just a disclaimer. You or don't, if you don't do, watch, watch it, watch it, the it first again time. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only watch it for a second time if you can. Watch British, it immediately. British spy. Watch this movie immediately. <laughs> yes, get your first watch out of the way immediately. Uh, Although, by the way, medicine, as and Kenny did, okay. damn it, as it's Kenny like a shot. Me, it's like um, a back. This movie is available on every free streaming uh, site possible, so it's readily available. It is literally available yeah. on Pluto, Tubi, uh, IMDb TV, and Fubo. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, on, it's on Prime, too, right? So you yes, don't even have yes. to watch it with ad breaks. Oh, Correct. I got it. Oh, they, they, Amazon sent me where it's IMDb TV. <laughs> and I didn't watch it for with that. ad breaks. Anyway, long story short, uh, British spy Stephen Wilson, played by Ewan McGregor, known as The Eye to his employer. <laughs> is training Paul Hugo for Why an assignment. Why did they use his eye? They Wait, should just use his face. It, what, I would have what did you say? It. Is training? I, I'm just reading the Google synopsis, guys. Okay. Is known as the eye to his employers is trailing, sorry, my trailing. trailing Paul Hugo for an assignment when he witnesses Paul being murdered by his girlfriend, Joanna Aris. Iris? I never really know how they pronounce Aris. it. It's kind of, I'm just going to Aris. Uh, Aris. Why would they not call judge. her Iris? Like Aris. It's Aris. Uh, no, it's Aris. Aris. Why would they it's not a, call her Iris? Because they're Eric calling Clay, the eye. Why would she Speak. not be I? But they're too classy to call her Iris. Yeah, it was a. It it's, was. Uh, it's a little beneath them. It was. It was a little yes. much. Uh, haunted by the breakup of his marriage, <laughs> Joanna his, Eyelid. <laughs> haunted by the breakup of his marriage and by his absent daughter Lucy, Steve notices Joanna's resemblance to his child. That's bullshit. There's no resemblance whatsoever. No, uh, and decides to protect her. This is another thing. Make Lucy a teenager or something like that. So at least the, the stretch is not like an, a fucking seven-year-old to, or however old. Anyway, uh, Stephen notices Joanna's resemblance to her child and decides to protect her as Joanna wanders the United States. Wanders. Steve That's, follows and destroys yeah, evidence yeah. of her multiple killings. Sure. I of the Beholder opened at the Venice Film Festival on September 4th, 1999. It later opened wide How on How long January. of a standing ovation, Phil, does it say? 
was 20 minutes. Oh, my God. Uh, it Only opened 20 minutes. wide on January 28th, 2000. And we go into This is the same Venice Film Festival that exists today? Correct. Uh, <laughs> correct. Real, real come up for them. Uh, it would go on to make $17 million on a $35 million budget. Uh, it was number one at the box office opening weekend, uh, the Super Bowl weekend, grossing real $6 million number in one. its opening weekend. Uh, but it fucking cratered after that. And domestically, uh, it only made $1.1 million internationally, which I think is kind of crazy, actually. I expected this film to actually like perform overseas. Right. Just it based seems on- like something like the French would yeah. like. Or even like just, you know, Danny Boyle fans would be like, oh, Ewan McGregor's in it. Anyway. Right. Uh, it's got 9% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 32% from audiences. CinemaScore gave it a rating of F based on surveys from general audiences. It's notable for the first film in over 15 years to receive an F grade. Uh, I think we've had several since, but at the time, it was the first in 15 years. I looked it up. They just, they started, they started rolling off after right? this one. Yeah. It audiences feels like that, just right? stopped caring. I mean, some of them are like in the cut, got an F. That's some crazy. of them are like, yeah, That's some of them are great movies. But uh, this is the first since, uh, since Razzie winning film Bolero to get an F. So um, I'm just going to read three little clips uh, of reviews. Peter Travers and Rolling Stone said, in trying to both inflame and induct our morbid curiosity, Elliot fails to make the needed connection between the audience and a peeper who has lost his moral balance. I just like that he used the word yeah, peeper. Like a- um, <laughs> New York Times called it <laughs> an, an impenetrable mess of a movie. Um, and the Village Voice said, it's neo-noir psych thriller signifiers don't justify, don't just provide goofy flash via flashback, but service a grief concerned narrative in which time and space collapse into a surrealist black hole. Cool. Sounds great. I mean, that that's sounds a, cool, right? I mean, that's what I saw. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what everybody else is looking at. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to think like the more I, I think about this movie, yeah. that maybe <laughs> there is like this. All right. This also reminds me of a lot of bad spec scripts I've read in my life, but because people who wrote specs in the 90s and early 2000s were obsessed with serial killers and murders and different ways to like get people murdered. And noir. Hard-boiled uh, the whole decade. Yes. People like that. It, it, it was just, it was, it was, we've done it all. And now let's think of another way. But yep. there is a Gone Girl-ish version of this. Oh, yeah. There is like a version where they really actually lean into this idea that he finds it like sexually titillating. Not this, yes. not this ridiculous, like, uh, she reminds me of my daughter, therefore I must help her kill and survive. This like thing, which is like, we know that you are into Ashley Judd in her lingerie murdering people. So is this guy. And then they could have, you know, had him, you know, like fucking, you know what I'm getting yeah, at? I yeah. And then and then continue it in order to continue like getting off based on what this woman is doing. And then you start to really get into the idea of voyeurism and male gaze and yeah. what exactly we're doing in this society and who's to blame. But I think they muddle, they really do think they've muddied up yeah. what could be an interesting like idea. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love Gone Girl so deeply and so much. Um, because I think Gone Girl kind of plays with this idea too, but Gone Girl isn't the same kind of movie. But the well, idea but- that the man is complicit in like in in the violent actions of the woman yeah. is an interesting one that you don't really see. Like Monster, for instance, a great film has nothing to do. You know, like mm-hmm. men are only you know guilty in that she's been abused. But it is more interesting to me this idea of like literally. Thousands of years of men finding women being violent sexually 
appealing. attractive, yeah. and titillating. Well, but that that, <clears throat> that could have been played a little more. <clears throat> it feels like it, it wants to have its cake and eat it too, though, right? Which is that like you've got that scene I in totally the bathroom where there, where where he's like touching the wall and she's on the other side in the bathtub, and like there's definitely a sexual energy there. But then they, but then it's like this father daughter thing. I, just get rid of the kid. Like the kid is really just unhelpful. Get rid of the kid. There's no reason that that kid should be there. I th- just one of the most profound missteps I've ever seen in a movie. That's really what it comes down to. Without like the kid, yeah. maybe I love this movie. That, <laughs> like just for yeah, you guys for thirty percent of the for forty minutes, his only interactions are this little girl like jumping around, going like, "Hey, daddy," and he's like. No, you're not real. And she's like, protect her. She's just a little girl. You're like, I don't, I don't, what? Like, out, you know, in the most, un- like, in the most base terms, as Kenny was saying, this is ruining the vibe. This is killing my vibe for totally. sure. And it's also just, it doesn't make any sense. And it, sense. it, it is, it is, uh, I don't know why the girl is there. Like you said, Phil, the him thinking that Joanna resembles his daughter. Nonsense. Physically Nonsense. is not in the movie, I feel like. It, it is, is only in the photos. There's like this moment when Something he's looking the, okay. at the photos of her, the first photos he takes. Oh, and, and, and the and one he keeps saying her Lucy, to, Lucy. Yeah. Right. So here, so it, I, man, I don't know. The, one, the ages make this confusing because exactly. Ashley Judd is the same age as Hugh McGregor, if not older than him. Correct. So like the daughter thing is strange. Now, in I, I have not read the book, obviously. It's based on a book. And there was a French film in the early 80s. Yes. Uh, where it seems like it's uh, Isabella Johnny is the the killer yeah. woman, and then the guy is like a fifty year old dude, and yeah. Isabella Johnny is probably twenty something. Yeah. Like, so if they're doing the daughter thing there, mm-hmm. maybe that makes a, a lot more bit. sense. But even if well. you're doing the daughter thing, having you know, um, dramatizing it via this apparition yep. is just about the stupidest well, way you could it, it, you could it, do it. It makes me wonder. Now mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm gonna guess that the daughter thing was in the in the novel that was in the French film. Yeah. Whatever. Let's just guess it was. Uh it makes me feel like they misunderstood what they were doing there. And uh what I think they might have been doing is something that uh the French might be more comfortable with than Americans. But the <laughs> sec- but the sexualization of young women and little girls Correct. and uh the well, conflation I- the, the conflation of women mm-hmm. of all ages mm-hmm. um right. being, you know, kind of looked at as girls. I think I watched breathless pretty recently. And I think that there is some kind of weird shared DNA uh, with the idea of an older criminal Mm -hmm. teaching a younger person, like the, the, like his ways. And I think that's the thing you've seen. We've seen a lot and we've got to see it like be a disaster, like with entrapment, but that thing works and like could should work in a really creepy unsettling way mm-hmm. not like entrapment where i think you're supposed to think like these two are perfect for each other and like this is how they fuck i don't know but it's i so can i i <clears throat> i watched the, the the scene when she murders the guy at the, uh, at the beginning like twice because i thought i misheard her say does she not say merry christmas daddy or something yeah, like that that's the line that's yeah. what you yes. said why? Well, it's Christmas. 
It's Christmas time for uh, several scenes of this movie and sometimes scenes that are separated by other stuff, which makes like, again, this, yeah, that review that said this is like a collapsed black hole of time and space is absolutely accurate because I think we go through at least two, if not three Christmases over the course of this film. Uh, Is that including the one she had in the alleyway as a little child? Oh, not including that one. So it's, yeah, like four or five Christmases. This is a Christmas flick. Have you considered she's just testing out catchphrases? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> can i just say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i the one the christmas beholder. movie i hope you bring that up uh in december and on twitter and see what people think about that because this is a christmas movie it this is, is I the beholder a is is a christmas movie <laughs> what are you guys doing next year for christmas i'm sure you know i'm sure you know i know i'm sure you know clay like what are you doing because you've, you've you've run the gamut oh no for screen draft they do oh for screen us fans us diehards us draft heads over we'll figure here. it out we have not done christmas horror yet interesting There's Clay, a lot of i'm just mm-hmm. curious what 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 do you provide as evidence that this was multiple christmases i'm just curious <laughs> <laughs> i don't I didn't really take time i don't stamps remember. on the scenes but just watching it the other <laughs> night i noticed that there was Christmas and then another big, and it's Christmas at the end of the movie again. Like it is, right? It's not. It's not uh, Christmas. Clearly, okay. So there's clearly this a is big, important. I just don't. For, no, there's clearly a year thing. There's I, clearly I, I, when they're true. in San Francisco for a while. He follows her to San Francisco. There's this empty, barren storefront, and the blind guy is like, "I'm gonna make this your store." And then it's completely redesigned. It's all built out. It, there's at least a few months there. It's not all one Christmas yeah. season. Like uh-huh. they are, they're out there for a minute. She's, she's in Alaska for around. a while. She's a fucking waitress for a while. I, 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 yeah, she's a waitress Ryan. for a while. I guess I my, just don't, mm. I don't get the idea like that Merry Christmas Daddy meant it's Christmas. To me, well, there's I Christmas, didn't really there's get There's Christmas that. decorations it, it, in the city and things. There's Christmas stuff sure, around. Sure. It's Christmas time. But is she saying that because of the flashback of this horrible Christmas she had? Well, here's the thing. Like, this is like fucking like nickel store psychology in this movie. Like it is so it's pennies. It's penny store psychology. <laughs> Dive it's, store won't even stock this shit. It's so uh uninteresting. Uh yeah. where it's just, yeah, it's and it's you they don't they didn't even let you figure it out. They don't even let you figure out he's got uh an estranged relationship, doesn't know his daughter, she's got this thing. They have the fucking ghost girl nine minutes in say Daddy, protect her. She's just a little girl like me. You're like, how fucking dumb do you think the audience is? Wow. Plus, then there's no mystery. Even if the whole thing was, it would still be boring if this was a mystery. Like, why is he protecting her? And then it's like, flashbacks. Dun, dun, dun. He's, he, she didn't I, have a father figure. So she went I, I, wayward. Uh, and he two isn't taking care of his daughter. Fast. That's I, boring as hell. But the way they do this, it gives away the boring twist nine minutes in. I don't think 1999 was equipped to handle what we want this movie to be doing. I think times before it and times after it were, but that's sure. one thing. Two, my I'm really sensing Ryan. Uh, see, I, I'm sensing that you don't think we're we're being respectful of this movie. I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's a bad movie for sure. It's just you know, it's one of those things where it's like I don't really. It's low hanging fruit. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's. I hear it's, that. It's well, easy to pick on this particular movie. I don't think. I mean, it's like you said earlier, uh, Kenny. This is hard work, and yeah, this yeah, comes yeah. from a time when making movies was harder work. Sure. And nowadays, like you watch a bad movie, and it basically feels like, oh, no one worked here. They just basically shit this movie out. 
This doesn't feel like that. Right. This feels like a noble failure. You know, it's an adaptation of a book that totally failed. Uh, but it has, for me, so many great aesthetic things sure. in it. And maybe it's because you guys live in 1999 and, I, you know, sure I do, don't pal. anymore. And, and honestly, to me, I've just spent, you know, so much of the last six months watching brand new movies that I'm like, yeah, it was pretty good. Not too bad. You know, it's okay. I don't feel very much about things, a lot of new movies anymore. Are you dead inside, Ryan? I, in a way, yes. Yes, in a way, in terms of I, the modern context of movies and just sure. the excitement of trying to get excited even about a bad movie. I, like, I hear you, dude. I know, I know. I completely hear you know, what you're saying. This movie is gorgeous from top to bottom. It's beautifully filmed, beautifully photographed. Again, uses real places, not sure, just sure. I do like the globe trotting aspect of it. I do too. It has oh, two actors that I do appreciate. Their, yes, thank you. Guys. I I appreciate the quirkiness of a Ewan McGregor role, circa late nineties. Sure. I also appreciate the same of Ashley Judd. I love the weird Jason Priestley part. Um, there are just. Oh, I mean, that's the best part parts. of the movie. We'll have to talk about that. We'll but talk I, about I, that. I, I, yeah. I do. I, you know, I, I mean, I, it's not so much a pushback around. I hear everything you're saying, and I do think so much of where we're missing each other on this has to do with perspective. I think the fact that Phil and I have seen so many movies in 1999 versus you who haven't, and you've seen so many movies of recent vintage, I have not. Well, it's also uh, that like I have the nostalgia of this. So when I absolutely. watch this movie, I think of the time when this was like, oh, yes, this is a bad movie, but boy, we stayed up till 2.30 right. watching sure. it because it's so batshit insane. But in great ways and in kind of terrible ways, you know, like there my, is that my, nostalgia towards it. Yeah. And, and, and I totally understand. I, cause I, I think the, and the other main difference that I have is I don't find this movie fun, but, uh, and you kind of have to find it fun to, to have that, you know, stamp sure. lay thing. But I guess my big difference is like, I don't see this as a noble failure. I see it as an ignoble failure. And, uh, a lot of that is just contrasting it with the movies I do think are noble failures, you know? And I do think that like, if I need, you know, if I want to ride for a film, you know, like best laid plans, I do feel like I need to kind of acknowledge, and I didn't really ride that hard, but I ride very, I ride, I rode for it very hard as a noble failure. Sure, sure, right? Sure. Like, like it was like, this is not working, but I love how hard it fucking tried. Well, can I ask you a question, Kenny? Who's yeah. worse? Which performance is worse? You and McGregor no one's or Josh than, Brolin? No one's worse than Josh Brolin in, okay. in sure Best Laid Plans. No <laughs> one's ever been worse. Katie Lang acts circles around him. And I'm not and joking. She is bad in this movie. It's such bad casting. It really depresses me. Speaking of Best Laid Plans, let me, yes. let me drop an idea I just had on. Please, please. Recast this movie. Yes. Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yes. And Nicolas Cage. Sure. Oh man. Yeah. In ninety nine. In ninety nine. Yeah. What's Wait. what's Cage in ninety nine? Does he do? Yeah, he did uh, Bringing Out the Dead and, and Gone uh, in sixty seconds. Yeah, eight miles. Or, uh, eight later, later, but that's, yeah. yeah eight oh, so he yeah, Miller me. So he <laughs> Nick Cage was kind of working in this in this arena. <laughs> so I, 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 <laughs> I yeah. I I I like the. Uh, I just think it makes uh, more I, sense if you're doing the daughter thing. It just makes more yes, sense yes, with an yes. older guy. And and you maybe don't necessarily make it erotic or make it that un, an uncomfortable yeah, angle it, of make it or something. It super fucking erotic. <laughs> it's super uh, erotic, but like but very like, very that, uncomfortable like, way that narratively. Tracks. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're onto something. Frankly, I wouldn't recast Ashley Judd. 
uh, cause she's been in so many movies like this where she plays the damsel or she plays the ass kicker. And I think that that was what I was most compelled by going into this film. The idea that, oh, Ashley Judd is playing the serial killer. That is new and different. And I found that interesting. Uh, and I also think it potentially in the right hands, I don't think this movie does it, but potentially kind of subverts a trope. Um, sure. sure. I would have gone a lot older with the Ewan McGregor character, to your point. I, I think that I think that if you go 50s, um like a Liam that, Neeson? Mm, you know, uh 50s not, and 99. No, weirder than Neeson, I'm thinking. Not, I'm thinking not more Nevish than Neeson. What'd you say? Terrence Stamp. Stamp. What? <laughs> okay. Terrence no, I mean, Stamp. like the guy is fucking Harvey Keitel. If you put Harvey Keitel uh, in that role, now I you're think, now I, I think the movie plays. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, Jim I mean, Broadbent. But, but then again, I mean, this, <laughs> but then again, Phil, this is very similar. I mean, a much more successful version of this is Holy Smoke. Yep, yep, so, yep. you know. Yep. So I want to just uh, piggyback on what you were saying, Ryan, about the nostalgia. Wait, wait, wait Ryan gave me a look. No, no, no. That's totally that's totally true. This is Holy Smoke, uh, and and has bears a lot of the same problems as Holy Smoke does. Uh, in it's sort of strange. The, the, to me, the big problem with this movie, and you know, we can kind of quibble uh, quibble about the stupid mm-hmm. plot points, but in the end, like it's kind of this you know, faux psychological thriller. So I kind of feel like, you know, the whole point of this movie, I think from the get-go is that both characters are mysteries and, you know, eventually they'll overlap and what is the things that are bringing them together? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's sort of a, a basic story. It's nothing too too compelling in that regard. However, I do think that, like, what I like about this movie is the fact that it's not, you know, here is the character from A to B and like you know them from beginning to end within the first half hour. I like the fact that there's strangeness. There's a mystery to the whole thing. It sort of unfolds in a strange and bizarre way in the way that Holy Smoke does. And by the end of Holy Smoke you come to like like these characters to a certain degree. With this movie you don't. But I don't think that they are dissimilar in the way that you kind of are approaching the film. Very kind of bizarre place. You don't know where you're at kind of in the beginning of both films. And by the end, you sort of do, but it's not so fucking paint-by-numbers, you know, psycho-thriller. Like, I definitely think that this movie, you're right, it's trying to do something ambitious, but in the end, it's sort of a very small movie. I mean, there's a very small thumbprint to this movie. I mean, we're we're talking about Jen Campion versus a a director whose name I don't know. Totally, of course. Stephen Elliott? Stephen Elliott, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but think- Campion also is known for taking big swings, and sometimes they don't work, and sure. that's okay. It's totally fine. We, you, you know, Jane yes. Campion is a clearly a great filmmaker that has, you know, developed the cachet to allow her for those. But you know, again, in the cut isn't a great movie. I love it. It's bizarre. It's crazy. Uh, but it's not. See, but exactly that's the like, movie that this movie wants to be. Is ultimately definitely. And Stephen Elliott is not Jane Campion. However, I think I, you know, I think I think we're all kind trying. of saying similar things, which is I, yeah. I think in the end of the day, if I don't like a Jane Campion movie, yeah, my guess is I'm probably wrong, and I'm you know like my guess is I have to try a little harder. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's true for In the Cut, and I think that was true for Holy Smoke, and I think that's true for a lot. Even the piano, it takes a it takes a lot more 
mental energy yeah. to figure out what she's getting at. And then you get there. I think Holy is a really good example because she I think she lands that plane. Yes, totally. Right? Like, and but, that's and that's a plane and that is fucking wobbling on its way down. <laughs> but this guy. But Kenny, can't you see that like if you're seeing a movie like that and we're t- like put yourself in 1999, 1998, if you see that's the vibe of the times and that's the kind of movie like people are making. And it's a very exciting type of movie. I mean, it's definitely a noir. This movie is trying to be noirish to a certain degree or a psychological thriller in the sort of, you know, late 90s era that. I mean, Femme Fatale is a perfect comparison, to be quite honest, because you're totally right. They are very, very similar, and they fail spectacularly similarly, mm. like in my opinion. <laughs> I, I think they yeah, both kind of – one is trying to be sexy. The other is weirdly trying not to be sexy, and yet they both kind of fail in their I, ability I, to develop but, tension between your characters. But Femme Fatale is sexy, and Antonio Banderas has about four billion times more personality than – Right. You and McGregor, like I, I don't disagree. Does he his really? job is photography. Does he really? His job is he to does. be at a distance. He there's does. Some, yeah. In the Antonio it's in the Banderas gift, world, the, world, the of, most famous gif in the world. It, it, he, he has so much okay. personality if, that a little snapshot if your character of character development is the most is made by fair thing on the internet. <laughs> Kenny is I mean, doing if, the gif. Kenny's as we doing it to remember it. <laughs> the if, assassin's if, gif. Um, yeah, yeah, you nailed it, Right, you're not wrong. You say like I don't want a movie. I'll give you that five seconds. I don't want a movie. To, to give me the outline of the character in the first five minutes with some bad exposition dump or something, but we should know they should have something, some kind of personality or somebody to talk to or some, <laughs> why? Something. What, what do you need? Because then why, why are we could, watching them? The scenes are boring. No, you don't need, no, no, I, you, you don't really? need it. You, you like, need like, that? Do you no, there's need no, that no. every single time? Of you course, need of, of, like, of the characters to have a character? Yeah, I Of course you don't. You're both crazy. You're both nuts. I love this so much. Neither of these things have to happen in movies. It's called a character, right? Yeah, I got that. And there are so many movies with characters. This happens to be one without them. And you know what? I'm okay with that. That's life. There's you so know? many movies with Brian characters. Puts this movie up with, uh, with uh, Derek Jarman's Blue. It's this and Blue. It's like some movies have characters and plots, and some are, don't. And that's also I, valid. I love I it can, so much. Yeah, well, it is. It you is pretty almost, much got it is it. also valid. I think that I think that where I kind of you know differ or just go our separate ways is. Uh, in 1999, after you know, 20 years of the erotic thriller, mm-hmm. none of this seems uh, even remotely outside of what has been happening, and nor does it does it seem like it's commenting on what's what's been happening. So this, to me, is a very rote attempt or a rote entry mm-hmm. in the uh, erotic thriller canon that's misguided in all the you know all the wrong ways like all the ways in which it tried to be different i think it just just uh backfired or misfired mm-hmm. um so i i'm not taken with in any way with the ambition because i don't think it's particularly ambitious within the context of its time that's what here's, I'm, here's I'm what i'm, to I'm gonna i i i i hear where you're where you're all coming from mm-hmm. and i do think that you know to, to ryan's point I don't disagree with the movie A that you're seeing or the movie that you wish you saw to some degree. I think we're all kind of coming at this in a different way. But but I do think that part of the one of the problems this movie has, and because I'm looking at a poster for Eyes Wide Shut, and I'm thinking that there is almost a dreamlike component to this film in terms of this kind of psychosis and these hallucinations mm-hmm. and the what have you. 
the this movie needed a constricted timeline. Part of the problem of this film is it's unwieldy in its time. So it's you're losing all of that suspense, all of that sort of, you know, is is she going to get away with it? Is he going to find all that kind of stuff keeps dissipating because you're just like, how much fucking time has gone by? Yeah, and he no, keeps totally. checking in with Katie Lang. Like, it's just, it's losing. So I understand why, like, I was never bored necessarily, but I certainly you know, found myself being like, why is this you know what playing weird, out the way it's playing out? You know what it weirdly reminded me of while I was watching it? Mm. Uh, Lee Daniels's other movies. The oh, ones sure. that, the, the paper boy. Sure. And the one with um, with uh, was it Cuba Gooding Jr. Gooding Jr. and, and, Helen, and Helen Mirren? Yeah, that movie's weird. Shadow his, something? Shadow, Shadow, Boxer? Shadow Boxer? Shadow Boxer. His yeah. movies that like, you know, like all of his movies are, you know, batshit. Bat even shit. the fucking butler's <laughs> batshit. But uh, the the there's a certain beauty in to me in the Paperboy sure. and in Shadow Boxer in its total fucking wackiness. But right. those movies in particular seem so much less afraid of being outside the mainstream than this one does. Well, I would also say too that you know when you were uh, Ryan talking about sort of the nostalgia of of this, I kept thinking about a conversation we had a little bit, Kenny, when we were doing our best laid plans episode, which was the sort of straight-to-video thriller that existed. And by the way, this movie kind of falls into that too because like, it basically Should, craters at the box office. Can, and then can we take a, a, a quick two-hour break so I can go watch Best Laid Plans? <laughs> You're going like, to feel play, behind play, the curve play, on a play, lot of you, these conversations. You like the movie. No, I'm sure I will. <laughs> where where was point, it? On Crackle? It's on Crackle, I think. <laughs> of course. But, but my, my grander point it's was crackling. more about the fact that we talked about Best Laid Plans and then we talked about Deep Water. And we talked about how... Deep Water is is a prime example of a movie that just essentially doesn't exist anymore, right? It went straight to to Hulu for a myriad of reasons. Um, the biggest one being that it's expensive to release a movie in theaters right now, and you know, blah blah blah. But my, more than anything, I watched this film and was thinking about what you're saying, Ryan, about like this type of thriller really doesn't exist anymore, um, and that's disappointing. And obviously, we should you know collectively, the four of us need to fix that. But right. I do think that. This film is just, it's pretty inept at what it's trying to do. It's not to say that I didn't find it compelling and interesting to watch, but more than anything out of bewilderment than out of an actual genuine kind of investment in what was going on. But I I, I do, like, I found myself, like, Ashley Judd's wigs, for instance. Like, I just kept being taken out of it and not in, like, an American's kind of way where, like, their wigs were always kind of ridiculous, but it kind of worked and you were just like, this is fun her wigs are just atrocious and you're just like, I don't understand how anyone is not, it's just all this kind of espionage shit just doesn't work. Like, that's what you said, Phil, it's got this sort of like heightened sort of dream logic thing to it. I I, I want to say two things. One, uh, I I compared having, uh, being bland and having no plot characters to Derek Jarman's Blue. I I just looked up Blue because, and I was, I was, uh, I had an incorrect notion of what the movie Blue was and I don't want to... (laughs) I, I want to correct the record. It, for some reason, in my head, I thought it was some sort of like experimental, like museum piece where they just showed a blue screen. Apparently, it's a soundscape with all these things happening, and it's like about okay. the AIDS crisis. So I didn't. I oh. want to take back what I said about blue because I was I misunderstood what that movie was. Okay, fair point. Um, What's your other ooh, point? My other oh, point. Thank God you said that. I yeah. know, right? Um, uh, <laughs> I, the other thing I want to say is, yeah, the other weird, this weird dream logic to this yes. movie, which like my roommate pointed out. Like they go to the train station and everybody is dressed in like suits. 
like it's the 30s or something and people on fedoras. It's got this weird pseudo until the end of the world vibe to it where like it's like Ewan McGregor's got a briefcase fucking Skype setup that is oh, yeah, there's a lot of Skyping in this so movie. far advanced. He when he hooks in his laptop into yeah. the fucking dial-up phone on the airplane, he's getting like 720p resolution <laughs> in 1990. It like has, there's a lot of that like yeah. pseudo sci-fi stuff on the fringes of this yes. movie and stylistic things and some stuff where you're like, this doesn't feel like it is literally in our time and our place. And it just it's another thing that just kind of Un, as you said, Phil, unmoors yeah. the entire project, and it is like it just makes it all the more confusing of what it is trying to do and what uh-huh. it thinks it's accomplishing. Because as we've all said, it's not sexy particularly because all the sexy stuff is undercut. It's not a you know uh, incisive psychodrama. It's not you know it's it is. I like I said, I enjoyed it the second time more because it is this collection of kind of odd stylistic things and weird flourishes and kind of things you can just gawk at. Um, but it is not a successful movie. But I did watch it, Phil, to, to, to bring it to what you just said. I watched it with my girlfriend and my roommate in a double feature with Deep Water. There you go. <laughs> we watched Deep Water, then we watched this, and I was really struck by the similarities. <laughs> Now I can't wait to watch Deep Water. I'll just say this, though. Oh, you haven't what seen was, it yet? No, I yet. haven't either. Oh, what is, oh, 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 interesting. What was the name of the of the Matt Damon, Emily Blunt movie? The Something Bureau? The Adjustment Bureau. The Adjustment Bureau. Mm-hmm. This kind of felt a little bit like that in a weird way. and But in the aesthetic that you're talking about of this, like, what... Where are sure. we in time? Mm, There's kind of that's this weirdness. So that, that's, that's so generous to this movie. Well, but I, I like the Adjustment like, Bureau. Yeah, that's a film. I'm a defender thing. of the like, Adjustment you, you Bureau. Know, well, I I'm mean, a, the I'm, question I'm a, about the Adjustment Bureau is... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Does that... because no, you I brought the Adjustment Bureau. That's why I we're did, talking I did. about I, it. I, 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 watched the, I watched the Adjustment Bureau and I thought that there have never been two leads who had better chemistry than the two of them. Sure. And... Now I'm just wondering if it's just Emily Blunt because she has chemistry with, with even anybody. her dorky ass husband. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. I'm not kidding. Like she hasn't I mean, yeah. the chemistry between them in that movie is unbelievable. Yeah, I, she I really can have chemistry with anybody. Sure. She's, truly. she's incredible. Yeah. yeah okay. Her and Tom Cruise in, in uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Where you're just well, like, that a sexy, guy who, by the way, know. as we've discussed, doesn't always have great chemistry with people. No, very often doesn't. No, very often not. doesn't. Um, 
yeah, I, so I, I <laughs> can I, I just make talk. a point about the tech real quick? Please, please, to, yeah. to rebut. Yeah, my colleague Clay. I, I think you're that, not going to tell me that that tech is possible in 1999. It's not. Certainly That's just not. An I don't give a fuck whether it's possible or not. That is <laughs> certainly is not a part of my. Interest. Don't don't care about the 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 you know the efficacy of the realism of the 1999 <laughs> internet movie. <laughs> But essentially, what I will say that what I found really interesting <laughs> and find interesting each time I watch this movie is how I definitely think that there's an there's sort of a I don't you know and this might just be rambling but I think that there's a, a an interesting prescience to the way you and McGregor's character develops through just the voyeurism of watching somebody through either a computer screen or through a camera you know I kind of think that there's this sort of I don't know bizarre like I don't know there's a, an interesting yeah, precursor yeah. to to the the commentary about people that just are there to watch things and i i just kind of stopped and thought about how the internet has developed in the 22 years since this movie has come out and how so many fucking weird freaky people uh have been created just literally by you know this this type of guy that i feel like you and mcgregor kind of plays a creep in this movie and yes. that's sort of an interesting right. aspect. But it's in terms not presented of- that way. It's like sweet at the end. He, they present him as a, her yeah. last line just, is just like loving. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, it was you. Like, Here's what thing. I'm going to say. I, I will say this about the ending. Okay. Look, the ending is bad. I understand <laughs> that. And, 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 and here's the thing. Like, you know, if you're watching this for the first time, I, I don't know. It depends on who you are. You're either going to get lo- like, like Kenny, check out from the beginning or I think you'll get to the end and be like, wow, I watched this entire movie and then I don't know. I mean, the ending is really bad. And and, and I've heard, you know, that Stephen Elliott has said, yeah, we just, we, we screwed up the ending. I mean, it's just not a good ending in any type of resolution. They finally are together. They finally meet. She sort of alludes that he's his guardian angel and that, you know, she sort of thanks him and that's it. It's over. She, she you know, flies off the side of the road and you're not even sure whether it's a suicidal move or whether she, you know, just literally lost control of the vehicle. Uh, so it's just poorly edited. It's poorly written. It's poorly done. And if you're looking at this movie kind of as a, as a form of like of a parable, it doesn't tie anything up. And I think that that's where it ultimately fails. Okay, I'll give you that. Can that's I, totally just, fine. I do, Kenny. Do you think this is the worst last line of 1999? Because I think it might be up there. No, uh, I mean I can't remember any other last lines. Uh, <laughs> this it, is she as she lays there dying. She says, "I wish you love." And then I like, wish right. you love. It's bad. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad. It's a bad last look, line. Terrible. Terrible. But, but look, most it, last lines are yeah. bad. The only ever good last line was from Sully. So aside from that, they all stink. Was it they Bert? All stink. Uh, no, look, I, I would do to June. <laughs> I I hate I hate the ghost daughter in this movie as much as I hate anything in any movie. But how does she not come back at the end? How is she it's not crazy. like out on the snow somewhere and then she yeah. like disappears? Like sure. he's letting yeah. go of his even obsession. Inception had the ghost kids like, come back. At least you if you're gonna like, have this idiot device, at least like the ghost bring it back around at the end and give of, it resolution. Uh, the ghost kid in uh, Fury Road. Yeah. I would have had. I would have had. I'll give you all that. I would have figured out a way. Come back. So I, I think I would have had Ashley Judd Judd be his daughter, Mm -hmm. 
And then at the oh. end, you're like, you, you, you see them together for the first time from her perspective. And he's not Ewan McGregor. He's actually like Terrence Stamp. He's actually like 30 years older. By the and, way, that's a better end. And we, and we didn't know the whole time, uh, but he, and he didn't know the whole time. He right. just has been like in this state of, you know right. how you like, you know how, how you think like you're like 21 and then all of a sudden you right. look in the mirror and you're like uh-huh. 100. Yeah. Uh, like that's what it is to him. Like he mm-hmm. still thinks he is like right. in this like hot young Obi Wan body, but he's actually Alec Guinness. See, I like that. I like that. Would have been a perfect guy to play. That would have been great. I'm, yeah, old Ewan Kenny. That's the thing. This movie needed two or three more truly insane bits. That's to, what to that's, make that's it a, like a cult at. classic. That's what I'm getting at. Like that's why I can't like get down with this idea that this movie is like like funny and wacky and crazy. Like all the stuff that's like outside of the norm it's like barely in in the wrong direction but if it went gonzo yeah, yeah. then i would have been like yeah, yeah. wonderful like you yeah. you love me you yeah. love me as a viewer because you're willing to like show me shit i've never seen before yeah because i so i was thinking about the movies that clay and ryan have been on our podcast for mm. so Only clay you've been on for for sea of love right uh the yeah. very thought of erotic thriller Erotic thriller. (laughs) (laughs) And then, Ryan, you've been on for Pushing Tin and The Abyss. (laughs) So it's it's a real spectrum that you guys have come on here for. Right. All all bangers. We we just met you too late. We met you too late into this podcast. We've we've (laughs) given away all the good ones. But we gave them the 89ers. We have great 89ers. are fucking great. I I feel feel bad for Ryan that he had to do a classic. (laughs) <laughs> exactly but but i will say and i i i want to this might seem like a strange you know parallel to draw but i want to talk about uh, comparing this to pushing tin is actually not that insane as far as i'm concerned like i okay. think that pushing tin is another thing where like doesn't all work doesn't stick the landing kind of a mess filled with people that i think pushing tin is a better movie than this by by a long shot but still i think that like Again, it's a director that doesn't really get the material. Like, there's just a bunch. There's like a dissonance Push, going on. Pushing Tin is Phil's forever. Like, it should have been a classic. It should have been a fucking great sure. movie. Yeah, it's a great concept for a movie. God damn it! But, but all that being said, I just think it's interesting. And then with Sea of Love, which I feel like also kind of has some parallels to this a little bit. In ter- a much better movie, but like again, sort of this. I wish he wasn't a spy because I think that's. We don't need her to be a fucking spy in this movie. I actually think it hurts the movie that he's a spy. Like, it should be just so much more terrestrial, so much more just, like, grounded. It should be just about a guy who's just, like, clearly lost touch with either as a bad cop or I like it better than most spy movies I've seen, to be honest. Well, sure, because it doesn't really feel like a spy movie. That's why you like it. No, yeah. And I hate hate (laughs) most spy movies. But do you know what I'm getting at? That like, if this was just a little bit more boots on the ground, grimy, like I kind of think I might have been able to ride for it a little bit more. But it's just like the tone. It's just it's such a weird tonal mishmash of things that again, like I said, doesn't make it necessarily a bad movie. But to Kenny's point, then it needs to really fucking go gonzo and it needs to go real crazy. I guess so. Except that again, like what I would still say is that yeah. we don't live in a place anymore where you can make a sort of not boring but bad movie like i kind of think we don't live there we either make a quote unquote i'm making a bad movie which means it's either 
fucking horrifically boring. And with all due respect, Kenny, I think you're the only one at this table that thought this movie was boring. That's okay. I'm, I'm re- I feel respected. Yeah, I'm just saying we that, like, you, you know, this movie to me is not, it's anything but boring. Like, I think it's bad for sure. But sure. I, I love that there was a time and where we could do this, where somebody could, like, spectacularly fail. Mm-hmm. And yet it was kind of gorgeously done with pretty good actors with sort of interesting and kind of fascinating set pieces and weird mise-en-scene there was an experimental Mm -hmm. quality that of course yes this fails but i just think that nowadays we don't have that opportunity anymore and i think that that's where great art will eventually come out of our 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 failures that are interesting failures and i love those types of movies those are definitely things this 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 just doesn't fall into that category for me you're 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 speaking a language that i understand but this just like it, the the reason that they didn't go more Gonzo is because yeah. they didn't think they were making a Gonzo movie. No, but sure. again, why they're not intending to make a Gonzo movie? That's this movie what I'm, that's intending what I'm to you. make a. That's good what I'm movie. telling you. That's what yeah. I'm telling you. Right, I agree. That's what I just said. I said the reason they didn't go Gonzo is because they didn't think they were making a Gonzo movie. They, they. That's why I don't like it because I don't think that this movie uh, set out to be. Uh, it's not that I, I don't think this movie set out to be fun. I think this movie set out to be great. And I think when you set out to be great and you miss the mark, it's it's a bummer. To me, I hear that. Yeah, to me as a to me as a, as a viewer, sometimes I can feel uh, like my my intelligence has been insulted a little bit. Right, and that's kind of what happened during the course of this movie. Um, over and over again. I really think that's what it was. I, th- I think I, you kept getting the trappings and like the, the uh, and the, and the, what's the word? Kind of the, the, that's whatever. The trappings of a, of, of, of a, of a great ambitious film with no there there. And that's I just think that this, this movie is, is, is bad. And yet it's almost not bad enough to get to that place of like cult status. Like we, we can't, just breeze past the fact that Steven kicks the shit out of a blind man and screams at him. She's going to kill you. <laughs> like yes. there are moments and then later is the one who kills him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I dude, I could see like, I'm, I, I, there are periods <laughs> during the course of this podcast where I started to like make the, the contrarian argument in my head, the argument I would make on the Razzie's podcast for why this is actually a classic, but for like, say color of night. Like for a color of night. Yes, like color yeah, of night. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, I yeah. came into it and be like, okay, let's give this movie the benefit of every doubt. Uh-huh. And I got there with color of night, as you know. Yes, you did. Uh, I don't think this is that kind of film. Like no. I think that that's kind of what I what, what where where I think that's exactly like where I'm where where yeah. the 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 golf is for me. Can I also say, yeah, Kenny? I think that there's also a distinction that you. I definitely get the feeling that you walked into this thinking that it was a quote unquote erotic thriller, and I no. don't think that that's what they are intending to make I, I, literally I wanna, at all. I I got into I. I thought this was a serial killer movie. I mean, like really, I, right? I, well, because yeah, it was on your serial killer draft. That's that all. I, I mean, I, that's sure, all sure. I knew about it was that it was a serial killer movie. Yes, because it was discussed on your draft, sure. and that it was a little wacky. And I envisioned something not necessarily sexier. I envisioned something darker. 
Uh-huh. Like I envisioned something right, like, right, right. like, like literally darker, right? Like yeah. literally like, yeah. like more like murder by numbers, you know? Uh-huh. Um, it sometimes gotcha. goes there though. Like when she murders that guy up top, <laughs> it's, it's it pretty shocking. And she's, and she's naked on the kill. fucking it's pier. It's a great kill. It's yeah. a great kill, and he and she takes off the 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 wig. Like there is stuff. Like when that happened, I was like, okay, okay. Like I'm paying attention, but you never get there again, really. Like that scene with the cop, which I still think is insane. Where the cop shows up, <laughs> and he, just, like, he just walks, <laughs> yeah, saddles in there, shows her his badge, and then like she's in fucking full on lingerie, and then she just so shoots good. him. Also, can, I just yeah. want to say for a second. Ryan, why or why would Kenny think this is an erotic thriller? (laughs) But hold on. Where would he get that notion? Ewan McGregor's character is either one of two things. He's either laconic and barely like emoting anything, or he is shocked and utterly like out of his mind insane that she's done something like kill a person or shoot somebody in cold blood, even though he's seen her do it several times already. Like it's just it's very, very hard to wrap your head around these characters. Yeah. You, you guys want to, you guys want to talk about Jason Priestley? Yes. That is the next person <laughs> I want to talk about. Yeah. So Jason Priestley shows up as a drug addict named Gary who picks her up on the side of the road. Cause her car has broken down. Um, she, he tries to just to seduce her. He's got, Total bleach blonde, spiky fucking in sync hair. He's got this crazy like. What would you? He he looks like a like an uh like a like a like a oh my god what's his name uh, Ed Hardy meets um the the uh, Guy Fieri kind of thing. like he's got this weird sort of energy to him um, with that Jason Priestley face right like a scummy guy. He tries to uh, seduce her. She rebuffs him. He knocks her unconscious, beats the shit out of her, and injects her with heroin. I mean, okay. Um, and then before he's about to rape her, Ewan McGregor comes in and beats the shit out of him. Um, it feels like Jason Priestley just like really pushing against type, right? Like just dialing it up to 11 and being like, I am not Dylan McKay anymore. Is, was he Dylan McKay? The fuck no. was his character's name? Brandon. Who's the other one? Brendan. Sorry. Brendan Walsh. Uh, Brendan Walsh. Sorry. Um, but I got to say, kind of walked into something. Stumbled into something, I feel like. It's great. Right? Totally down with Jason He's fantastic and he kind of steals the movie. He's got that does. one great part and, you know, yeah, he totally kills it. And yeah. I think he was sort of, uh, there's Love and Death in Long Island. Was that the, the other movie he made at that time? What was that movie yeah. called that he made with uh, yeah, John Yeah, Love and Hurt? Death in Long Island. Yeah, yeah it's so good. So yeah, good. good yeah. And I kind of think he was kind of, you know, there, this was a bit of a, a little renaissance period for him. And he, yeah. he does. He's, he's fantastic and he's slimy and gross. And uh, does all the things you want from a character like this. Um, you he, know. he definitely is a bright spot. I mean, I just to be abundantly clear, similar to Kenny, I also like I, the, the blind yeah. guy. I really like him too. I I mean yeah, it's a, who is bizarre. he? Why do I why do I know that actor? I know him from something. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he's in a lot of things. Patrick he's definitely Virgin or something like yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. He, he was really good. Too. This is one of those movies, and I, I, I do empathize or, or agree with Kenny in the sense that, like, I wasn't like locked into this film from credits to credits by any means, but like there were pockets and things that popped, and like Priestley popped. I thought that that first kill really popped. Like there are things that certainly kind of made it jump off the screen a little bit for me. And then there was just stuff that was so bad that I was just like, I, this is crazy. I'm just amazed that this exists. But um, I still look, I think Priestley did exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't necessarily yeah. understand why that scene was was necessary. I think that scene, you know what, what kind of messed me up a little bit because first of all, it's like not throwing shade your way, Phil, but like he didn't just beat her up. Like it was it, it, it was, was like graphic, right? Like it was and, and it made me think of the end of uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh it's not a super it's not a particularly different scenario. It is a man beating up a a horrible woman. And I think we can say, like, Ashley Judd may have her reasons, but once you start killing people on a serial basis, you're a pretty horrible person. And why in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that was such a valedictory moment Mm -hmm. um, and somewhat cathartic, and why in this it was so revolting and disgusting. And that's this is the scene I think of when I say the movie had no sense of where empathy lies and everything about that scene seemed like it existed just to ingratiate uh, Ashley Judd's character, you know, with the audience in with the audience in a way that I felt was unearned and extremely unearned considering this like over the top, scene to get us on the murderer's side um i so like it just kind of really it just really kind of it felt really exploitative and and out of place and super uncomfortable and it just didn't need to be that graphic like on some level it's just like i understand but i there's a movie where that scene plays sure right there's a movie that's about that that is about violence and intimacy and and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and man on you know male on female violence within the confines of a room that no one else is allowed in there's yeah. ideas that could be played out there but i don't think that, that was the purpose i think the purpose was simply to you know recalibrate your empathy meter mm-hmm. back towards this woman um and it made well, me it made, definitely- it, it, it made me uncomfortable as a viewer it 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 took me to a place where i'm like now i feel like you're lost, uh, Stephen. Well, they, the third act of this film, I would argue, is all about that recalibration for all intents and purposes. It feels like from the Jason Priestley point onward, you know, you're you're trapping her at this diner with with her psychiatrist and some cops, and then like her on the run. And, and and then this kind of melodramatic final chase between them and then like her dying in his arms. Like all of this is about to, meant to feel tragic in some way. And I'm just like, I don't, and it Feel is tragedy for and this it person, is, but it's like it's kind of crazy though. It is like it is. You take it in final analysis. It is tragic. Like I, like I, I can understand how she's a very tragic character. Sure, but like he's the villain, and yeah. he doesn't get that ending. He doesn't deserve that ending. There's, you know, that's not how we're, how this is supposed to go I at agree. the end. But you know, the whole thing. So it's an um, emotional mess. I'd like I talked. I talked to the whole. We know. I talked to the whole Priestley part. Do you guys have feelings on this? Uh, yeah, he had some personality to him, so that part of the movie was slightly more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Can I just say something? I'm looking at a trivia, yeah, bit in IMDb, and, and mm-hmm. I feel like it really is sort of like a a, a key to 
to maybe what is the problem and what I love also sure. about this movie. Okay. Director Stephen Elliott fought the film's financier, Mark Damon, over the tone of the film. Elliott envisioned the film as a dark thriller with sex and random lashings of violence. Damon wanted a more A to B thriller that it could sell mm. worldwide. Ironically, many of the Asian markets that bought the film wanted a sexier and more violent version of the film. I feel like this movie was never made. This movie was made but it was never really made. It was not the movie that obviously he had envisioned. It was clearly a many, many, many compromises in this movie. And I feel like this is such a like classic 90s story of, yep. you know, random financiers, you know, like becoming producers for one movie only or maybe two or three and, you know, kind of dictating things like they're Robert Evans, thus eliminating, you know, everybody thinks they're, they're Harvey Weinstein in 1998, 1999. And mm-hmm. I think, that may be part of the problem because Stephen Elliott bears a lot of regret and sadness and shame about Eye of the Beholder, so much to the point that he did not make a movie for so long after this. Well, I'm just looking at his and I just think that that's your a, point. That's got to be a part of this story as well because I definitely think that there's a movie that was lost here that we're yeah. lamenting. So. Well, he, he does Eye of the Beholder in 99. He has a movie called Easy Virtue, which is based on a Noel Coward play starring Jessica Biel, Colin Firth, and Kristen Scott Thomas, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess came out in 2009 and it made yeah. $20 million. So Pretty good movie. Know. Remake of an old Hitchcock film. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, and he does not, a movie called at all. A Few Best Men, um, which I don't know of, um, but that kind of was released in Australia. He's an Australian filmmaker. Rio, I Love You in 2014 is a movie that I guess is a, it's one of those anthology films and then Swinging Safari in 2017. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Guy Ooh, Pierce, Kylie safari. Minogue, okay. uh, very Australian. Very down under. <laughs> um, and Ryan, I, made, well, you know. Ryan, I think you're right. I, yeah, think, there, I, 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 I think there is a uh, better movie here. Clearly. I mean, just think of what he said. A dark yeah. thriller with sex and random lashings yeah. of violence. You yeah. see how all of that is hinted throughout the course of this movie. It's all there. We are all wanting all of what he just described, and yeah. we don't really get it. And, you know, that's such a, like, failure of the movie, for sure. Um, I, I mean, but I, think, does, but I, think it's, yeah. I, I think it's incumbent upon us to hate this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it should also be said too. Like, it's based on a book. He adapts the book. There's a part of me that feels like clearly he feels passionate about this film. Clearly feels as though this is going to put him in a different lane as a filmmaker. It's going to change the perception of him. Um, which you know, more power to him for that. I agree with you. It seems like the financiers were nudging him in a direction that he unfortunately felt he had to go. So the movie sort of pulled in two directions, which obviously is never a good thing. Um, but again, like, listen, this is. A strange movie. I would I would argue, Kenny, one of the strangest movies we've done this year. And by that, I mean just a movie that doesn't really feel like it has a POV, that feels like it's kind of all over the place. Um, you know, pretty big movie stars at the time. Um, again, but now, not, it, now it feels vaguely tragic. Now that Ryan, bit, right? Ryan read that quote, <laughs> now the whole thing feels a little tragic. Now I feel like now, now it feels a, a bit. Uh, That's right. A, a bit feel morose. Shame, now I, I, well, I feel I, 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 now I feel like, like everything I said. I feel like stands, and I was one hundred percent correct. Sure. But I put it at the feet of the wrong guy, and I feel terrible about it. Well, I, I do want to. I think this is interesting because you know. We're in a we're in the final run of of this podcast. You know this. We're in the last year of it. All the movies that are on this list are movies that have been on our list for a very long time, right? So we're in a, sure. a, a strange period of like 
a bunch of weird movies mixed with like fucking Stone Cold classics like your Being John Malkovich's and your Fight Clubs and your Magnolias, right? So in between the, in the stretches between these great films, we have strange patches of films. And I'm kind of enjoying it. I don't know about you, Kenny, but like it's it's kind of a weird pocket that we're in now of 99. We are in a we're- weird fucking pocket. <laughs> we're we like- are in the weirdest fucking pocket you guys could imagine. Because it's all the, the it, shit we're watching. It's like it's it's all the movies that well, one, no one wanted to do. It's yeah, a, it's right. the movies we didn't want to do. And it's and it's like and it's, it, but they generally yeah. like they're they're even like I mean we we did Twin Falls Idaho which yeah. we loved good movie but yeah. uh but most of them are are these offbeat strange yeah uh, movies that like kind of seem unwelcoming when you uh when yeah. when, when you put alienating. them on in the beginning yeah. alienating yeah. and yeah. and you'll see Phil uh sympathetic oh, falls, in that, great. falls yeah, in that category and I'm guessing Goodbye Lover does too yeah because a lot of them deal with like. A lot of them deal with like low level crime. Low just all seems like this like street level crime, not people who are particularly good at crime. Just this low level down and dirty crime shit. But what's funny about that? I just want to finish, which is the the runoff of the early 90s, you know. Quentin Tarantino specifically, like early stuff, Reservoir Dogs, True Romance, that runoff that gave, you know, gave us good movies like Usual Suspects and gave us some like really horrible nightmare movies like some of the stuff we're watching. But also mixed into that, though, we still have to do Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, which also fits into that. Right, like it's also part of that milieu to some degree or another. It definitely it, is. Now it's, it's right? a good version of that, but yeah, right. But it's just it's it's just we're in a just a strange pocket. Um, I want to rate this film because I I'm very curious to hear what you guys think possibly about the film we're covering next week. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but I'm curious to hear if you have and and what your thoughts are on it. So mm-hmm. let's rate this movie. Uh, Ryan, you saw this in '99, correct? That's right. So let's start with you. What did you think in 99? What did you think before the podcast? What do you think after the podcast? Um, In 99, I would have given this movie two stars. Okay. Uh, Wait, out of what? Zero to 99. We we do zero to 99. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Then I would say I would have given this, yeah, about a 40%. 40, Okay, okay. I'd give it 40 points. Sure, 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 sure. Um, Okay. Now I definitely put it in the sixties realm. I'd say sixty <laughs> to sixty-five, somewhere around there. I love you, Ryan Marker. Just, I'm pure you enjoyment are... level. I'm not thinking about this. Hey, man, you do what you need to do. No, no, it's just our I, podcast. It's I just think it's work. great. You are an X factor. You are always the the. You will zag zig when we think you'll zag, and that's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, what about you, Clay? Uh, okay, so I did not see this in '99. Um, mm-hmm. When I saw it like six months ago, because it was the yeah. third suggested you might like this after I watched <laughs> Twisted on Amazon Prime. Uh, a better or worse kind to you. performance? Well, she has a character in Twisted. So I would say <laughs> Twisted is better. No, Twisted's a better movie. Twisted is a weird. Have you guys seen Twisted? I have not seen Twisted. I was on a run where I watched in like three nights in a row, I watched like. Jennifer 8 and then Twisted. Oh, Jennifer 8's good. That was Garcia. So I watched Garcia was Jennifer 8. That brought me to Twisted. And then Twisted brought me to Eye of the Beholder through the you might also like algorithm of Amazon <laughs> Prime. Um, 
Jennifer Eight is wild. Twisted is wild. That's another one where it's like it's she's a a, a cop who has a haunted past, and yeah. all of her boyfriends are getting murdered. And and is it her? Is it well? She had this someone run, else? right? Like Kiss the Girls, Twisted, Double Jeopardy. Like there was kind of a run there where she was, yeah, doing right. Am I correct? Yes. Kiss the Girls. Was, she, yeah. too? was yeah. Kiss yeah. the Girls the Monica Potter one? No, that's uh, along came with Spider. Kiss the Girls. Was oh, right, right, Morgan right. Freeman. Chris, well, they're both Warner Freeman, but yeah, yeah. kiss the girls. Um, so, uh, I would say when I watched it, Twisted looks really good. Yeah, Twisted, (laughs) Twisted's a great San Francisco movie. Uh, great and unhinged Andy Garcia performance. Um, uh, I Philip Kaufman too. Yeah, no, Twisted's better than this movie. Um, I would say that the first time I saw this, I'd put it in sort of like the mid thirties. But the okay. second time seeing it, I'm up into where Ryan uh, started in the 40s. Okay, I'm, I'm up okay. in, because like I said, I was not bored. And I think knowing what I was getting into, I could appreciate the sort of freeform nonsense of it yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And there are a couple of... Look, uh, to Ryan's point, uh, I, uh, you know, you you look at a movie that's a failure today and dollars to donuts, it's fucking flat. It's shot like a Coles commercial. Like it just, there's nothing. There's nothing worth looking at. They did it all on a fucking green screen. This, it's a failure, but you get to go to four or five different fun cities. You go to Alaska. Um, You go to Alaska. You go, you know, there's a couple of interesting. I I could take you to Alaska with some other movies. Uh, You don't need this movie. I'm sure you could, Kenny. Mystery Alaska. We could take you there. Ever see Limbo? The camera flies into the snow. <laughs> the camera flies into a snow globe, and then it becomes that city. You know, that's the th- yes, this is the kind of yes, thing you can yes. only do with with the movies. That's, that's the true. magic of cinema. It's the magic of movies. Uh, and as the IMDb uh, tr- trivia that that Ryan referenced er- earlier also says, the reason why the director wanted to do the movie uh, was the scene where they're on either side of the uh, bathroom uh, wall. So, uh, well, he look, got it. He, he got, got it. it. He got the scene he wanted. He shot the hell shot. out of that scene. It's a great um, shot. All right. So oh, I would about, say somewhere in in the forties. Kenny, yeah. what about you? I, I I actually have one more question. And uh, Ryan, I, I don't 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 take offense to this because it falls into the effect the efficacy of nineties technology realm. <laughs> okay. How did he have a camera in every room? I don't know. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, this is. In a weird know. way, he's almost like Lisbeth Salander in the sense of his abilities, <laughs> technologically speaking. Yeah, he, he, has a, he, has a, he has some kind of camera in the he corner had the camera of every room she's in. But the surveillance stuff. No, the like, ones inside. Like she saw him kill the cop. No, you're right. It's not that that, that look, look, I'm sure there was me. a bunch cut out of this movie. Maybe it, they like, decided they didn't yeah. need the scene where he installed the cameras. I also on IMDb, there's they, they promo did. shots on a train and I don't yeah. remember a train sequence. No, she's on a train. That That's, the kind, of, train. that's the kind of thing. Oh, that they yes, do. yes, yes. And that's where she meets. Oh, what happens on the remember train? She kills the guy. She fills the bathroom. With oh, water. it fills the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. We didn't that's, talk that's about that's the flooded bathroom. That's a pretty good kill. This movie's oh, not, that was crazy this movie's, too. This movie's not as bad as I thought it was. It's a weird when I movie. said so uh, fun. <laughs> you know, my little my little uh my little blurb, maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Um I gave it an 8. Ryan says Ryan's like, is she even a serial killer? She kills like seven people in this movie. <laughs> That's why he liked it. That was it so me. Much. I said oh, that was really uh, yeah. So I gave it an 8 before this movie. I take my ratings very seriously. An 8 out of 99. Yes, which would make it the third worst film we did this year. Wow. Wow. But, 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 it's it's, it's no longer an eight. Uh, I will go, I I, I will, I will definitely go like 
well into the teens on this one. So <laughs> I'm gonna give I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give it an 18. I'm okay. gonna give it a nine. Oh I'm, I'm gonna give it a 19. All um right. I mean just like I think that's what it deserves. I think it's a 19 out of 99. I think it's in the lower quintile of the uh, of the podcast maybe the lower sextile not sure but maybe the lower septile not, I'm not, i don't think it deserves to be with uh with you know chill factor well chill factor is a three it's so it doesn't i agree with you but it's a 19 you know it's a nice how it's about a bad here's a question how about that movie you've been mentioned earlier entrapment Entrapment is very very low you would, what was your rating for for entrapment Kenny? like 15 i'll look it up yeah, because I'm Entrapment, Entrapment is a truly terrible movie. Like Entrapment is the type of bad movie that I like, am I feel what you feel about this, Ryan? I'm right there with you. I gave where it a it's like rating, so boring and Wait, fucking. Wait, I'm pulling it up, Kenny, because I have it on our our uh, fandom page. It's boring. It's flat. It means nothing. It goes nowhere. Kenny gave Entrapment a twelve. Twelve. Okay. So, so I did rate is, this. If yeah. this is better than twelve, I think that I'm, this is I'm a happy. nineteen. I think I gave Fine. it. I think, Great. I think that makes it. It's. I think Entrapment is the third worst film of the year for me. Is yeah. that right? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe Genius is. You have it fifteen. Yes. Mm-hmm. At first yes. sight, you have it eighteen. These are some sight. horrible films. <laughs> I forgot a, uh, about that. Actually, you know what? This is. I feel good about nineteen now because it's better than at first sight. You know what? You I very thought of you seventeen. Seventeen. This is not. Maybe you know. It's it's right there. This is, is appropriate. This, is this appropriate. better than the very thought of you or Martha meet Lawrence, <laughs> Daniel, and whatever? You know what, Kenny? You gave Random Hearts an eleven, God, and the other sucks. sister an eight. So this film's actually like beating a fair uh, amount. Entrapment. It beats the story bus. It beats Mickey Blue Eyes. It beats the haunting. Okay. The very thought of you, Runaway I, Bride, Muppet from Space. At first sight, it's right there with Teaching Miss Tingle. Detroit Rock City and Instinct. So it's a terrible that's, film. That's actually, that's right. Not, that's, you're right, not, you're right. You're it's right. It's a terrible, yeah. terrible film, but like not like the worst movie I've ever seen. Those three, yeah. those three movies, I would even consider watching again. And I feel the same way. Actually, I feel the way about those movies as I do about this, which yeah. is like, they didn't have to be nearly as bad as they were. I agree. Yeah. I agree. 100%. Uh, so when I came into this, I had the film at a 19. That was my pre-podcast number. Um, I've gone up. Mostly because of Ryan's just absolute passion for this film. I think that Ryan has has really. That's, what, that's why I went up too, Ryan. <laughs> like there's there is. I, th- no I think question. Ryan. I think Ryan also went up because of his own passion. Yeah, Ryan. Yeah, definitely. Like, Ryan, you made a great, great case, Ryan. I talked so, myself up for yeah. sure. So I, I'm at a, I'm at a 35 now. So it's gone up considerably. Unbelievable. That's I am pretty so good happy. About that. I, I actually now I want to pull up your your. Yeah, uh, I think Phil and I are close. It. I'm like low forties. I want to pull up your fandom now to see where this ranks. Or what what this ranks for? Oh, like man. you know, what's now in I'm the gonna be, I'm probably going to be embarrassed by how high. No, this I don't is know. Now. Uh, you gave it a thirty because I pretty much know my by heart, but I don't really know yours. Are you gave it a thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other shitty ass movies. You're more generous than me. That's the issue. I am American American Pie, Forces of Nature, Play to the Bone. Three horrible fucking films, and this also I, yeah, lives there. This is I would. I, this is I, uh, yeah. this is an Isco 35. I yeah, agree. That's perfect. That feels right. So <laughs> next week, guys, we are talking about Breakfast of Champions. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> the, oh boy the bruce willis adaptation oh wait so ryan you've seen this oh yeah and, <laughs> and, and clay you have not 
I'm not. Hold on. I no. I this, don't even know if I know what this is. This movie Wait, is. Have insane. you heard of the Kurvonigan book, Breakfast of Champions? Right, Clay. Uh, this is a Alan Rudolph movie. Um, <laughs> yes, but I don't know what just the title. I don't know anything okay. about any of this. So this was this is a movie that has essentially been scrubbed from. Try not to say anything. You haven't seen the movie, right, Phil? Uh, I saw a bit of it in '99. I did not finish it. Don't say I too remember. much because I am eagerly awaiting this film. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Much. I'm I'm a hundred pages into the novel, which I never read. The novel is spectacular. Yeah, it's like yeah. spectacular. <laughs> so I cannot wait to see the way this has been adapted. But, uh, but also, you've read a hundred pages of it, and I think we can all safely say. Uh, un- unadaptable, like basically the type of thing that that probably shouldn't the, be adapted. The, the thing about Vonnegut, <laughs> having read like this is like the fifth no- Vonnegut yeah. novel I've read now. You should do like Castle Rock with Vonnegut, yes. Vonnegut's characters. Yes, that's like the only way that this shit would ever work. I agree. because like this pulled out. Uh, yeah. it, it's like I only. You know, I've read a few books. So I, I'm aware of Ellie Rosewater is in this. Kilgore Trout is in this. Yeah. His guys are in this mm-hmm. novel. But yep. without a cursory understanding of what these guys are doing, it, yeah. I'd be even more lost. But I'm also just taking taking the, the Vonnegut cinematic universe out of this for a second. Uh, his tone, Vonnegut's voice oh. is impossible to adapt like he's such a literary voice Someone it made me think it. in a lot of ways of like have you guys ever seen or heard of uh even cowgirls got the blues the the tom yes. robbins book yes that, that gus van sant tried to adapt many years ago with uma right. thurman again unadaptable a voice that just cannot transcend that media cannot leave that media and there's a part of me that's like I'm super curious to A, reread the book, B, watch this film. We have David Iserson coming on to talk about it with us, who is a big Vonnegut fan. The very good David Iserson. And it, the very good, the brilliant David Iserson. <laughs> but I just think that, uh, Clay, uh, Clay uh, Ryan, do you remember the movie at all? Yes. Oh, I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> like, I. You don't oh, own it by any chance, do you? Uh, yeah, do you have a copy I of don't own it. I do not own <laughs> it. Because that, that DVD is, is hard, hard to find. Hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I bet they have it at Cinephile, though. I'm, I, I mean, they have uh, a lot of think about renting I bought it. it. I, bought on, it. Uh, I bought it on eBay. I spent you bought on eBay too? I bought it on eBay, too. Guys, I, I, I think you're going to love it, honestly. Like, I <laughs> oh, think it's, wow. It's a pretty fucking great movie. I mean, Kenny, I will be, I'm going to listen to that, this when you drop this. Can I just I say really... that, Ryan, you continue to impress by... It is not a loved movie. This is not a movie that people like. This movie is is kind of sure. loved. Sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> I, Ryan, have you, have you read the novel? Uh, I have not read the novel. Interesting. I, not, I, will, Interesting. I will say that. Um, Phil, but I, I loved the yeah. movie. There's nobody on the planet Earth... I know who is less aware of what the general populace thinks about a thing than Ryan Mark. That's 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 why you're the best, Ryan. He, and truly, he, because you're the, you're you're, you're the Sandler. Whenever you tell him of, a movie um, that he loves is disliked, he is completely like floored. And he said, no, uh, he says the same thing every time. He goes, "Of course." <laughs> like. <laughs> He, I've never seen you. This is why this. This is probably why you like this movie uh, because you have about as much faith in humanity as Kurt Vonnegut. Yes, totally. And, and on top of it, I mean, again, you've got Nolte and fucking Willis at the top of their game. Oh, we're going doing, Nolte back to back. Wow, guys, Nolte back to guys, back. 
It's Bruce Willis, Albert Finney, Nick Nolte, Barbara Hershey, <sighs> Lucas Hawks, oh, Finney Martin. back to back. Buck Henry. This is wild because Finney and Nolte are both in fucking yes. uh, uh, Sabbatico. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> that's so that's Big so year funny. For right, I can't wait to watch this movie. I truly. can't wait I to watch it. Wanted to watch it from the beginning. I'm of the pod. so excited. It's always been an interesting little piece of like trivia to it me, is. or you it know, is. a little like little curio that yeah. this like beloved novel got made into a film, mm-hmm. and it was like a a. A notorious, and it a notorious disaster. Starring Bruce Willis. See. Like yeah. it's always yeah. interesting to me. You know, sometimes novels get like like unadaptable or not, but really famous novels get yeah. made into movies. A couple that I can think of off the time that 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 just bomb. Not even like not not bomb. Don't exist. Not yes. like fucking. Uh, what's the movie that the goal? Well, you know which, which is like a laughable joke, sure. right? Not well, you like know which one of them is. Uh, Snow Falling on Cedars, which we did. Kind that of. Like I mean, I'm thinking was, more a, like a beloved book. I'm thinking more like The Road. I'm thinking like American Pastoral. Angela's Ashes. I'm thinking of, yeah, Angela's Ashes, but like I feel like people are aware, like these movies that people are like, I can't, like, American Pastoral yes. with Ewan is a perfect example. Sure, sure, sure. Because for fucking 50 years, people are like, this is one of my favorite novels. I can't wait mm. for someone to actually do this. It would be like a fucking Catcher in the Rye or Confederacy of Dun- Dunces got, got made and no one yeah. cared. Like that's no, crazy, and that's here's the thing, though. Yeah, champions, totally. And and I just want to say that from an angle that I came about it to from would yeah. be that it's Alan Rudolph. I was a huge Alan Rudolph fan, who is a a, a colleague and work and a collaborator with Robert Altman, who in that same year made another movie that was reviled. Uh, called Doctor T and the Women that I absolutely yes. a year later. love. That's a year, a year later. later. Okay, well, regardless, Cookies around, Fortune is ninety nine. But yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Again, yeah. I love Cookies yeah. Fortune. I love Doctor T. I love Alan Rudolph, and I love Robert Altman. And these, I'm this looking, is all. Yeah, I'm looking at his filmography right now, and he's not a filmmaker that I've seen a lot of. I, I've seen Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle. I've seen Afterglow. Yes, um, great movie. He's kind of just yeah. He's done watch a bunch Choose of Me. Choose Me. Yeah, speaking of Genevieve, uh, have you? Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, I, I'd be interested. Can you guys remember a novel that was considered unadaptable mm-hmm. that was adapted successfully? Um. Uh. Uh. uh it's. Uh. Hold on. In English Patient was wasn't that say, considered was unadaptable? Say, yeah. English Patient is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I read that book after seeing the movie, and I was just like, "This. It's. It's poetry, basically. It's like I don't understand, and it's all told from the opposite perspective." It's all told from, uh, from um, fucking uh, Jesus Christ, Juliet Binoche's character. So like mm. it's completely flipped. But yeah, it's I, I, there are a lot of books that I feel like, and I and we've talked about this a little bit, Kenny, off mic, just in general. But like, I do think that television has opened essentially the floodgates to all books now because now you can do a limited of there. a book that shouldn't be Which necessarily generally a is the right way to do a Absolutely. novel. Well, sure. that's like the Goldfinch is a prime example of that, where it's like how that wasn't an HBO miniseries, you know, is absolutely beyond me. But instead, they, you know, there's been so many. It's like it's a, it's a look. It's it's a double edged sword. Um, yeah. There have been so many incredible movies, like The Godfather, which <laughs> comes from a novel. It's obviously possible to do it in two and a half, three hours. Sure. Um, or six hours, but whatever. It's obviously possible to do it. Uh, happens over and fucking over again, Doctor Zhivago. But um, but no one wants to really do it anymore. I think that, and I think movies like The yeah. Goldfinch 
or why people are are stopping now. Well, and also, I think I think it's the TV stuff. Sorry to. That's what I mean. You know, shitty novels like Big Little Lies become Emmy plays, and fairly brilliant novels, but like The Goldfinch, become punchlines. Yep. Yes, and also they are, you know, kind of. Pandora's box that it's like you could really fuck up, you know, if you pull this off. And I have to say, Vonnegut and especially this particular one, I think, you know, it has a tone that is so not, I wouldn't say it's not filmable, but I would also say that it's not exactly palatable. It's not something people normally do. I mean, it's it's very specific, very specific. It's very small, uh, but also very, uh, you know, witty and tight and interesting and you need great performance to do it. I would, to, to, to answer your question, Kenny, I would say that the last big swing that I've, I can remember is Inherent Vice, doing pension yes. and pulling yes. that off. Whether you like the movie or not, I definitely think, you know, tackling pension and then pulling that off I, I think is a big swing. Yeah, everybody and, was afraid to touch him forever and ever, exactly. all of his shit. And it was kind right. of an amazing, that's a great example of this. And that's, you know, like I, I would really, there was a Slaughterhouse-Five movie made. I don't know yeah. anything about it. Yeah. Uh, and it's true for Philip Roth too, which is weird, but right. I really would love to see some fucking excellent A-list, brilliant auteurs. Well, I mean, Plot Against take, America was great, but I know what you're saying. Was that? Just, Plot Against, Plot against America, America was, was, was great. a show. Yeah. Yes. So I, you know, like the the Roth movies, American yes, Pastoral yes. and Goodbye Columbus Human Stain, and Human Stain yep, is yeah, a Roth yeah. movie are pretty much forgotten by history. Yeah. And I would love to see someone of Paul Thomas Anderson's caliber or Greta Gerwig, like what she did with fucking Little Women, uh, take on some of these really difficult to adapt pieces. And I actually yeah. think Breakfast of Champions works as a movie, potentially. Better than a TV show, for sure. Uh, but I mean, also, Cradle, like, the, you know, Cat's Cradle is a movie. Holly's, Cat's Cradle works. Well, he's but I, Noah Hawley had the rights to try to do it as an FX show, and they afraid. just killed that relatively. But easy. I would just say the last thing about <laughs> the last thing about Breakfast of Champions, which I can't wait to see. Uh, if you're feeling not that great about America right now, it is the novel for you. I I'm I'm very excited to read it. I'm very excited to well reread it. I'm excited to watch this film. Um, but more importantly, Clay, Ryan, yes, you guys are the kings. Absolute, an absolute, the kings, the the screen drafters themselves. Um, everyone should be listening to your podcast, uh, including if they you. Have all the time in the world, <laughs> um, they should be listening to your podcast. It is fantastic. You guys are the best. We love having you on for these. Oh. Odd films. We love being um, on. I well, if, if 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 there's if there's any more odd films, the odder the better. If you can find nice. something that's worse, well, don't you work? Okay, all right. I am um, with Clay on this. Disposal. Only bring me on for these ones that you're like. <laughs> no, we don't have anybody for that. Like, you want to watch? You, you, you want to watch? Uh, you want to watch? Uh, Simpatico. Simpatico in the next couple of days. <laughs> I've. St- I I know Simpatico up here. I Ryan can do some. Have you seen now. Simpatico? Of course I have. This is my year. I watch right. every move. I'm so come on, the, guys. please come on the pod for, come on for we'll, Simpatico. We'll, we'll, we'll put it. We'll, we'll we'll drop it in June. So we'll, we'll done. Like Isn't that and it's two Sam in a row? It's Sam Shepard. It, 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 it is Sam Shepard. It is Sam Shepard. Nick Nolte. Uh, Sam Shepard. If you need a guy, if you need a it's it's Sam Shepard's play is what you're saying, which it is. He's not in the movie, but it's Sharon Stone. Catherine Keener. Right, it's the, we it's have the a lot of stuff ever. we're watching for our podcast. 
podcast in the next week. Can we do this in like two weeks? <laughs> yeah, we. Okay. I, 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 let, let's do it. Let's do it's it true. down the road a little bit. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to. We've got to watch the oceans movie. We got to watch all the oceans movies. Oh. I got to watch well, the damn we'll, Lego movie. Well, well, it's fine. We'll we'll push it down the road. We'll do some Patico with you guys. It'll be great. Uh, Kenny and I will find movies. some other fucking movie to to uh, to to watch together. Um, but again, truly, you guys oh, are the best. We you're the best in the game. Uh, we can't wait to have you both on our Patreon as well. Mm. Um, Ryan, I'm going to reach out to you because 2009, I'm sure, has some bangers that you would love to talk about that uh, only you would want to talk about. Um, so there's that. The and reader. Play. Is the reader 2009? No. Don't oh, make no. us watch a bummer. The Still haven't seen the reader. Um, Clay's going to come on, later. obviously, to talk about Adventureland with us, and it's going to be fantastic. Oh, it's yes. going to be an honor. We're going to talk about Case Do for 10 hours, and it's going to be great. Yep. Fantastic. Um, it, uh, it's. Uh, yeah. Just so that I don't spend a lot of time like mm-hmm. staring at the phone. Sure. Do you already have somebody for New Moon? Mm. No. Okay. Okay. You know. Okay. We, you know we love that. All right. <laughs> which, guys, which which one of the uh, in the in the trajectory is New Moon? It's the second one. It's hands it's down the best one. one. So I just have to. So I would just have to watch two to. to oh, I, we should do New Moon. I think that's. I think that's. Yeah, we point. we have to do New Moon. Guys, you yeah, have to. Sure. Yeah, and it's uh, incredible. You, you can't. There we go. We have. We'll you can't tell the story of, of 2009 without Twilight Part Two New Moon. Clay, I love Clay, that Kenny's never seen any. You truly can't. Oh, oh, Kenny, you're gonna love these. You're gonna. You really are gonna like them. You know, my daughter. Have I told? Real fast. You told Last anecdote. Yeah, great. Uh, have I told you my daughter, who's nine, has mm. seen them and she has one crush and it's young Taylor Lautner. And she always specifies. <laughs> Team, Team always. Bankrupt, huh? the, I, you know, it's funny. It's not because I, I, I took her to task. I'm so proud of her. I'm like, because, uh, because, uh, you know, I'm like, Taylor Lautner is your guy. I wanted her to watch Twilight with me when we were doing the Razzies draft, right? She's like, I've already seen it, Dad. I'm not into it. I'm like, come on, watch it with me. And she's like, uh, no, I don't, Dad, I don't want to. I'm like, but he's like your crush. And she's like, young Taylor Lautner. I'm like, Layla, he was young in that movie. She's like, no, no, no. I mean, like, when he was like Shark Boy. Oh, I'm like, oh, that's okay. great. Right. So like, that's great. like 11-year-old is her guy, which I is like understand. totally acceptable. Adorable. Totally that. That's adorable. Yes. Uh, not we can't old man Twilight. Taylor Lautner from the Twilight. No. <laughs> right. Or, right. Or, or real old man from Home Team, a Happy Madison movie. That's oh, good. Jesus Christ. Um, thank you guys for coming on. This was great. Uh, can't wait to thank listen to guys. every episode of your podcast. And yeah. we're going to talk some Patico stuff. Oh, and also, Clay, I'm pretty sure when you said Grown Ups 2 has gotten a uh, reevaluation uh, uh, from film Twitter in recent years, you were talking about me. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely part of it. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, I was it. That's me. Thank That's you, guys. I've heard both that you in a suckers few different put, places. Both you suckers put it on your places. predictions because uh, of me. Because Thank you let us astray, Kenny. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's such a good movie. <laughs> Phil, that's a good movie, right? You would admit oh that. Uh, grown-ups, they're, they're fine. <laughs> they're oh, fine. Not I, good. Uh, uh, grown-ups, too, very I'll, good. Always uh, love should, coming. We should let Kay go. Go. Do you still got oh, yeah, yeah the, the producer yeah I, look yeah. guys always a pleasure to have you on screen drafts always yes. a pleasure joining you here oh, the best. had a great time uh, if you're listening if you're a podcast like it's 1999 fan which I'm assuming you are because that's the <laughs> podcast we're on right now um, you can check out Phil and Kenny have done uh, two drafts together we have, we have. 
Or have you done two together? Just the one together. Two together. Two together Bruckheimer and, and one Razzies. separate. Right. Yeah. Yes. Bruckheimer, uh, Razzies, uh, Kenny was on our baseball mini mega draft. Phil has done a couple others. He did um, uh, uh, Winona. Winona Ryder. And it was just when Winona Ryder. Just Winona Ryder. The, just and then Winona I commissioned, I co-commissioned with you. That's uh, right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Uh, so you can hear uh, Phil and Kenny on our show. They're going to be doing an episode coming up in a, in a, in a month or two as well. Uh, so we, oh my God, we, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> did I, did, I, I, I did not, but it's time to start watching. I was, I was just eat, thinking, God, there's so a many big topic. You guys are doing, yeah. actually, can we reveal it? Do we want to reveal it? Oh, it's fine with me. Cause I don't yeah. think that Ryan knows this. I either. don't know. Ryan's yeah. going to love this. Um, okay. hotel and motel movies. Oh, <laughs> Ryan, so good. Ryan, I, w- I would so love. Good. Don't put your thing. Don't put your thumb on the scale. Okay, but maybe throw some our way. Okay, because <laughs> I feel like Kenny's fielding suggestions. Because I feel, I mean, it is such a massive. It's so big. I really yeah. want to do it justice, right? I really want to go sure. from, from Grand Hotel forward, mm-hmm. right? But like you know, there are motel and hotel movies that come out every single yeah. year. Yeah. No, it's right. Big. It's a particularly because we're doing motels too. That's half the fucking indie movies that are made, guys. Yeah. So, this is a great topic. Yeah, Holy but we'll shit. talk about narrowing the the parameters. But I'm thinking like movies where it's either part of the plot that they're always at the hotel yes, or motel, yes. or the hotel or motel is like a character in the movie. Yes, yes. or yeah. so I think it's yeah, it's not it's like, like hotel passive. like Hotel yeah. Transylvania would count. Yes, ho- but like Hotel okay, Transylvania but, but would, would count. Yes, would but uh, not Hotel Transylvania three where they're on the cruise ship. No, not it's not a cru- oh, no, not a cruise ship. Here's a question, genuinely. Yeah. No Country for Old Men. Is that a motel movie? No. no. Hotel motel movie? No. Okay. No, there's that's my there's point. like a like, significant yeah. sequence in a hotel or a motel, but I would not right. count that. Though. Yeah. That's my point. I want to make sure that that's I, not part of the equation. There's a percentage I, I point. It, yeah, a percentage. I think it was the, uh, I think it's the Home Alone 2 line. If it's, if it's in a home, if it's in a, a hotel I think it needs to be more, more than, than Home Alone. More too. than Home Alone 2. Yeah, yeah. Then you. That's a good line. It. That's a good. That place is good. To, that's uh, a good. I like that's that. A good one. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's basically fifty percent. Guys, this is going to be a yeah. great draft. It's going to be uh, a great so draft, and it's across all genres and all sizes of <laughs> movie too. There's some that are huge, and, and some that and, are like tape, where it's just like one room. Oh, I am great. going to fucking Ryan Marker out on this. So, Psycho, <laughs> take a take a hiko. Okay. Oh, the, shining, the shining <laughs> oh my god get your shine your box mind if you don't think that those two movies deserve to be in this the florida plot project is this a mini major by the I, way or is i can't this like believe a- that that was the first time i've ever heard kenny say go get your shine box by the way i feel like <laughs> is this a how many is this a mini major or is this yeah a, get, this, get, this get is us a, get us one get us this one is a more seven guy. baby let's, it, let's get, get us this one is more a guy seven we're making Ryan, this as hard Ryan, as possible Ryan, get in this come on let's do this <laughs> Make the case. Get in this. Psycho take right, a hike. I'm just over. dwelling on that. Uh, identity. Oh, identity's identity is so great. Identity, identity will make the list. The 1408. That's an preemptive one. number. It is a lot of horror, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of horror. I've so never seen have, Grand Hotel. I need to do that. I have great. California Suite. Even yes, like fucking, good. Uh, uh, What's the California Suite? Good one. We're getting so much content out of this episode. We just did the fucking motel hotel draft in the last five minutes, and you guys already did your Breakfast of Champions episode. Just clip that thing. We're (laughs) going to talk for 15 minutes. Just clip that. We have, have, I I really want to be extensive when it comes to the hotel motel thing, but (laughs) let's think, let's, but let's think really like we might not need both hotels and and motels because, Uh, you know, you get it. It's a lot. But this was great. We always can't wait to do this stuff. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 